You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's time to wake up with the morning boys. On Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And here are your hosts, Ryan Hickey and Mark Kelly. Good Friday morning and welcome into the morning boys. Ryan Hickey, Mark Everett Kelly, Austin Tidebaum with you as we are rolling on for the third week of the morning boys. Thanks so much that for tuning in. way too in. sexy to start off the morning <laughs> with. Are you kidding me? We got to start with Al Green. It's a nice way to get the Friday going. No, you're not I guess, feeling it? I, I guess so. Get in the weekend groove. I was thinking more a little like Metallica or ACDC, but I guess Al Green. Is that what we've reverted to now? Yeah. Al it's the best. <laughs> All right, I Austin, I, I didn't realize, anything. Austin, you were such a ladies' man know, that we right? start with, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice way to get the Friday going. Get, groove into the weekend, vibe yeah. into the weekend, you know? Okay. Nice job, Austin, nice job. Yeah, we just... yeah, great job, Austin. <laughs> <laughs> we are waking up, getting ready for the weekend. A ton to get to, speaking of the weekend. Week number eight in the NFL gets underway. Yesterday, we'll hit on the Vikings, Redskins in just a little bit here. A ton of NFL picks to get to, both the Jets and Giants are in action this weekend as well. A few other games we'll get to. Some college football, why it's happened already the last two weeks, what happened to your team this week. I'll tell you what we're talking about. Um, Some managerial signings in baseball as the World Series uh, shifts to Game 3 tonight in Washington. The Nationals up 2-0. We'll dive into that. And the debut of a new segment. The the name we're still working on right now is Take It or Break It. We'll decide if that will be the name going forward. Uh, the working title, but besides that, it's like a good way, I think, to kind of get our thoughts on a few different topics, to, uh, saying whether we're taking it, whether we're breaking, essentially a buy or sell segment with just a different, different title. Um, but we will get to that. Excited for the debut of that. So Mark, first of all, good Friday morning. How are you doing? Yeah, good Friday morning. I'm doing okay. Just okay, huh? Fresh just haircut. Okay. Yeah, just fresh haircut, yeah. I like, the, uh, I like the sweater over the shirt and tie today. Yeah, it's like a that? nice look. I do like that. Thank you. I, I, I try. I, I try. It's a very nice Friday look. Yeah. At my age, I have to, I have to try. Very dapper this morning. Thank so you. if you're watching on the video, wherever you're looking on, whether it's YouTube, Periscope, you can get us through <laughs> Twitter as well, uh, Worldwide Sports yeah. Radio Network. Well, you got the Ranger. You're going with the Ranger cap. I, I know. I had a bared hair day this morning. You did? You know, and, and I, I slipped on it. Don't. Usually your hair is, uh, it looks the same all the time. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I took a shower last night, kind of got all frizzy, and then this morning I was like, oh, boy. It was just, it was, it was too much to put together. So I was like, all right, we'll just throw on the old Ranger hat. We're mailing it in this Friday. I'm not going to lie. Oh, oh, oh well, this, it in. this is your version of Dress Down Friday, maybe? Yes. Okay. Yes. Here, here's the thing. Casual Friday. See, the Rangers, the Rangers beat the Sabres last night. They only lost one game, and they beat them pretty bad. They did, and they, they were ended, on a, a slide. Yeah, they, they ended their five-game losing streak, and the Islanders extended to a five-game winning streak. And we've talked like about this much hockey since we've started. So maybe... Maybe we can talk about that. Absolutely. Like you said, both, right. both New York teams right you know now what? coming Everything off a win. Everything is wide open right Everything now. Everything is wide open, as you said. And, and you're right. We have not talked enough hockey, uh, especially locally. Islanders and Rangers, a lot to talk about there. Um, like I said, both get off the – well, at least the Rangers got the snide last night, and the Islanders continue to stay hot as they win again. Um, but we'll start with Thursday Night Football last night, Mark. You have the Vikings and Redskins again. Not really a sexy matchup. The Vikings win 19-9. sexy already? Yes. You know, that's a theme of this Friday morning. It sounds like <laughs> – the sexy theme. Good, Austin. Right. Yeah. As the Vikings go now to six and think, two on the I year. I think if anybody that looks at Austin, he just personifies sexy right now. No, you know, <laughs> and I'm picking up some good music for this segment. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, Lady, right we, ladies, if you're single, one eight seven seven nine zero nine 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 seven. 
if you do want to give us a call on anything, one one eight seven seven nine zero nine 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 seven seven. And getting back to Thursday night last night, Mark. Again, Vikings win nineteen to nine. Kind of a you know defensive slugfest. Both teams struggling in the red zone, but now the Vikings move to six and two. And watching last night's game, at least they look good. Kirk Cousins finishes off a hot October for him after struggling September on the road against the Bears and the Packers. Things were clicking in offense again until they got into the red zone. The defense was bend but don't break. But to me, the biggest takeaway of last night just kind of reinforces why, although it was a nice month for October of October for Kirk Cousins, although it was a nice game last night, didn't throw a touchdown interception, but threw for almost 300 yards, had a pretty good completion percentage. You, to me, I still can't buy into the Vikings and Kirk Cousins just because more of you look down the line, you look at what November brings, you look at what December brings. So in a nice start again, 6-2, and two, one of the best records in the NFC. In an NFC right now that's been extremely tough, a ton of good teams so far starting to show out. Um, but I, to me, I just can't buy in to the Vikings as true Super Bowl contenders because I look in the future in December, I look at Kirk Cousins, I can't trust him to win the big game. And they have some big games coming up. I don't know if you have any original thoughts, if you want to refute that or not, but that was my big takeaway coming from last night. It's still tough to trust Kirk Cousins. Well, I... Look, like, I, like we were saying, you can only beat the teams you compete. And right. That, that's how you start earning trust, is by doing the things you have to do consistently. I mean, in any phase of life. No, and you're right. And right, especially in the NFL, the mark of a good team is beating the teams you're supposed to beat and then going 500, I guess, on the, the teams at your level or better. And again, Kirk Cousins coming off October, 10 touchdowns, one interception. He beat the teams he had to beat. He had a nice win against the Eagles at home. He had a nice divisional win on the road last week against the, uh, against the Lions. And, and like you said, a Redskins team coming off revenge, if you want to say, that was getting hyped up his first matchup against his former team that continued to franchise tag him, didn't want to commit to him long term. So there's a lot of emotions there. And as we know, Kirk Cousins, when the emotions get high, when the tension is high, that's when he tends to struggle the most. And he did play, again, nice yesterday, kind of led the Vikings offense. Dalvin Cook went off 171 total yards. They could not defend him, the Redskins' defense. Stephon Diggs. How about Stephon Diggs? 143 yards yesterday, made history or tied for history in the Vikings. Third straight game with 140-plus receiving yards. Tied Randy Moss for the franchise lead. Anytime you can have a record tied with Randy Moss for the Vikings, I think you're doing pretty well, uh, at least in your career. But like you said, so coming off that October, 137 passer rating for Kirk Cousins just was great. And like you said, part of the mark of being a good quarterback is beating the teams you're supposed to be, taking care of business. Mm-hmm. But now as you look down the line, specifically you look at December, right? Kirk Cousins, historically, 11 and 12. So he's under 500 in December, which that's when you look at it, you think those are the biggest games. If you're teetering on the fence, you have to win a lot of those games. Look at last year alone. The Vikings were up and down in the playoff hunt, not in the playoff hunt. They went 2-3 and three last December and ended up losing at home to the Bears the last game. And the Bears were resting guys both on offense and defense to miss out in the playoffs. But you look at his career record again in December, 11 and 12. He has the most interceptions of any month in the month of December, 18 interceptions. The lowest completion percentage of his career, 63%. The lowest quarterback rating of any month of his career at 89.9. So you look at the trends. He has career lows in interceptions, completion percentage, and quarterback rating of any month. In December. In December, excuse me, yes. Of all the four months, September, not, yeah, October, November, December. December excuse me. Yeah. Yes. So I'm skipping ahead a little bit from November, but I'm specifically looking at November, uh, December because that's when the big games have to be won, and that is when Kirk Cousins has shown time and time again he struggles the most to come through. Okay. And again, while it's nice at 6-2, and two, that's why I'm not buying in. Yeah, okay. Well, first of all, you got to look at 
who he played and the team he played for. Sometimes you have a quarterback that's on a team. Redskins weren't, weren't as talented as this Vikings team. They didn't have as many offensive weapons, yet he still threw for over 4,000 yards in those in three straight seasons. And he still threw for 30 touchdown passes, I believe, in, or at least 25 touchdown passes in, in, in all those seasons. So coming down the stretch, the teams you play have a lot to do with sometimes a, a, a young quarterback, especially if he's going to – win or not you don't always learn that lesson right away Peyton Manning didn't learn it right away Dan Marino maybe he learned it a little bit faster than others but as you saw as Marino went on in his career he didn't have as much success as everyone thought he would uh, you know the only one who really didn't struggle with that that much was Brady I mean the second season they went nine and seven and missed the playoffs but ever since then he's been freaking ridiculous they've won 10 at least 10 games every year right they've won 12 games probably in, you know, 15 out of the 18 years he's been there. So he's the one exception. I mean, even you look at a guy like Mahomes, how Mahomes kind of struggled the, these last couple games after a great year last year. So you have to learn some of those lessons. I, I think last year was a big learning experience for Cousins because they thought he was just going to come in and be, you know, Jesus Christ and, and the, the Savior. Um, but he, he wasn't. And even the first couple of games this year, they had to get on the same page. And if you remember last year, Adam Thielen had a great run as a, you know, setting a record for the Vikings as far as 100-yard games. He's kind of taken a little step back. Now they're kind of distributing the ball more. Stephon Diggs is just naturally so magnificently talented that he's going to break through when you get him the ball consistently. And I think that was kind of what he was saying was, hey, Give me more chances to make a play. And I think the Vikings have a number of those weapons. So they're going to be harder and harder to beat as they gel more and more. So I think it's only going to get better. Because as far as talent, there's no doubt that the Vikings have just as much talent offensively and defensively. They're probably the fastest team defensively in the NFL. I'm so, with you there, absolutely. And like so said- they, I, I think that they're still learning and as we move along, you, you know, they got the Chiefs, then they got the Cowboys, and they got the Broncos. So th- those are, you know, two of them are on the road, then they get their bye week. But then, then they got Seattle, Detroit, Chargers, Packers, and Bears. I, I think right now them and the Packers are going to come down to win the division. Obviously, the Bears don't have the offense. They still got to figure out what they're going to do with the quarterback. I think if they're operating on all cylinders that the Bears – can be competitive like they obviously they won the division last year but until they find their way that kind of is what the bears are going through right now right you, you don't know what Trubinsky is right um he's showing flashes last year and he's going through a learning curve this year there are guys like i don't know if you remember drew Brees. when drew Brees first came into the league he was awful and he struggled his first two years and then finally it was funny because the year they drafted philip rivers in, in 2004 which was his last year uh, well, then he got he got hurt in two thousand five. Right, um, but uh, they went twelve and four and wound up winning the division. And Breeze had I think twenty seven touchdowns, seven seven picks, and he threw for you know between three thirty five hundred forty five hundred yards. So it takes sometimes a little bit, and Breeze is a great example of that. No, I mean, and you're right. I think Kirk Cousins, though, to be fair, has been in the league. I mean, he's been in the league since twenty thirteen. So I think at least in terms of Sample size, we do have enough. You want to give us a call, one 909 9977 Let's go to Lou. 
Lou's listening on oh, Facebook. Oh, this is the guy. This is the guy. Lou, you're, uh, you're on the morning, boys. Ryan Hickey, Mark Everkelly. What's going on this morning? Lou, you there? Mark. Yes. How, how are you, you doing? Good, Lou. How are you? Yes, I, I told you, Ryan. I'm I told glad you. we got the chance to talk. You yeah. and I went back and forth yesterday on Facebook over that terrible article you wrote, <laughs> Primetime and other offenses oh, display no. for the Jets, and I've been waiting to talk oh, to you, my boy. friend. So let me just set the scene here. So Mark wrote a, an, a great article, by the way. I did read it, Lou. <laughs> On the Jets' primetime struggles against, or just primetime struggles in general. Lou, you disagree with the article that was written on the Worldwide Sports Radio mm-hmm. Network. WorldwideSportsRadio.com, by the way, if I you want to read Mark's article. Disagree. Let's right. hear why. Let, let, let's hear it, Lou. I just think it's typical media garbage piling on the Jets, using, using old cliches like clownish and, and, and clowns. And, 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 and the, the article is, is completely poorly written. First of all, he starts by, by referring to the Johnson brothers, the owners of the team, and, and saying that, that they are deserve the they are the, they deserve the vitriol of a fan base that's forced to hide in humiliation. Mm-hmm. However, he he talks about going back a quarter of a century after quarter of a century and a half century after a half century and he doesn't lay any any blame on the Jets struggles over the past 50 years on Leon Hess. Everybody loved oh, Leon sure, Hess. Sure he was a nice, kind old sure, man. Sure he was I a do. kind old man who's, who gave everybody the Jets fire trucks and, huh. and delivery trucks from his from his gas stations sure every year. So everybody loved Leon. Uh, I, Leon I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Leon Hess was a disaster, too, for the majority Leon of the ownership. Leon Hess bought the team right after the Jets won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know. And he was content to just sit on that and make money off of the Jets and sell tickets to the fans year after year without actually doing anything I, to bring in I know. bring in people who would manage the team properly and I, who, would, who, would, who would build a winner. I get it. So and, let's and start to, there. And to me, it's the same thing. It's the same exact thing. The best thing Leon Hess did in his life was hire Parcells. That's like he finally got it then. After the disaster of Rich Cote, which he says, well, I'm sick of losing. I want to win now. He says the opposite, absolute opposite of what he hired him die, for. He finally realized he needed to do something to make the Jets winners. Unfortunately, it was too late. It was and too he late. died before he actually had the chance to see them become winners. Right. And the funny thing was is that that was a big reason why Belichick left. It was because he made a, a deal with Hess. And if Hess would have still been alive, I believe Belichick would have stayed. But because of the inconsistency of the ownership, it reminded him a little too much of when he was with Cleveland with Art Modell. And when they left in the middle of the season, they said they were going to leave. And it kind of blew up the whole season. At that point, they were 4-4 four and four and still in a, in a fight for first place. So I thought, I thought Belichick saw the writing on the wall there. I, I don't think he knew how bad of an owner the Johnsons were going to be. But I, you know, I, I just think you know, hindsight is twenty twenty in that in, in that case. But Belichick would have stayed if Hess would have still been alive. But, I, look, I am with you. Hess was a disaster. You know, Jim Kensel and some of the guys that he had uh, running drafts and everything. You look at all the GMs and the coaches that they had there. Start, you know, Walt Michaels was probably the best, and, and he was adequate. And he was adequate. And why did he get fired? Because he got drunk on, a, on an airplane and, and, and cursed out uh, somebody in the Jets organization. And then they give the— Walt well, Michaels had a nervous breakdown. Uh, well, so would I if I had to coach the team. But, uh, but they, were, they were getting better at that point. They had drafted pretty well. They drafted Marvin Powell. They drafted Marty Limes. They drafted Freeman McNeil. They, they, they drafted Wesley Walker, Gastineau. So they had a, a, a Joe Klecko. They had a series of drafts that got them some talent. 
and I think if Michaels would have yeah, stayed. Yeah, in the mid-'80s, they were a good team, very competitive. Unfortunately, they lost that, that playoff game to the Browns. Yes. And um, right. that set the, the, the franchise back. But even so, they had a lot of deals with injuries there. Ken O'Brien at one point, Ken O'Brien, uh, in 85, Ken O'Brien led the league in in quarterback rating. Kenny O'Brien was a great quarterback. Right. He doesn't, he's not given enough, yeah, enough I, credit for the type of quarterback I, he was. I wouldn't say he was a great quarterback, but he started off very well. Okay, and then in 86, you remember, they start 10-1, and one, okay? And, uh, and they beat Seattle 38-7 to up in Seattle. So they're 10-1. and one. Nobody beat the Seahawks like that. And the Giants, as a matter of fact, who won the Super Bowl, lost to them that year 13-9. to And the Jets were 10-1. and one. Then they went into Miami on a Monday night, lost 45-3. to three. And then they wind up losing the last five games. I think the last game they lost to Cincinnati, like 52-21 to 21, to Boomer. Uh, and then they beat Kansas City, and then they lose to the Browns in the divisional round. All right, then the next year they start off 2-0, and and then you have to strike. And that kind of set them back for 87. And then they never were the same again. O'Brien was never the same again after that. After that 10-1 and start, when O'Brien was really good. Well, what, what destroyed Ken O'Brien was taking 63 sacks in a yeah. season. They beat yeah. his brains out. They the did. poor guy was, talk about seeing ghosts, the poor guy was, was probably dreaming about getting sacked in his sleep. All right, so get back to the article now. So just because I didn't say that Hess was just like that, I never gave any credence to Leon Hess in the article. My, my complaint was that still 50 years later, there's no change. We see the same junk that we've seen. And, I, I mean, I, I, if the Jets win, I would give them credit. I'm not one of these fans that look to, you know, kill them every chance. I mean, but they looked bad. How many times in your life well, have you been embarrassed as a Jet fan because they made you embarrassed? Let me just say this. The Johnson brothers... Have, have 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 banged against walls and they've and they've had their setbacks. First of all, Woody Johnson is an idiot. That's why Trump hired him as an as an ambassador. Right, he's right. Trump's kind of guy. I get you. All but right, Woody Johnson has in the and he's tried to make changes that have to make the Jets competitive. What? And he's done a good job. Now we uh, have wait, Joe wait, Douglas wait, wait, wait. in place. We have a good coach. Okay, Joe Douglas. Which you is good, but we don't. We do not have a good coach. I, I don't care what Adam Gase. What? Yeah, I know you call him the latest clown in the circus. He is. Adam Gase. He is. I mean, come on, he is a clown. Did the Jets the way they played, the way they played without, first of all, without Darno, and now with Darno, they look just like the same old clowns we've seen, and they're not competitive. That's my biggest thing with Adam Gase. If he's this. Offensive guru, they have to be complete. He, he is. Right now, he is, though. They do. Complete, complete over the top. But they do. Over the top. And to use the term circus is just, is just All right. the same cliches that have been used by the media against the but Jets. But they're not the wrong. Lou, they're not wrong. Lou, if not a circus, how would you describe the Jets then? What word would you use if you disagree with Mark saying they're a circus? I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. No, if you're criticizing Mark for calling the Jets a circus and you're saying they're not, or you're, you're you know, saying that that's a classic media cliche, what would you use, what word would you use or phrase to describe the Jets then? I would say that this has been a very unfortunate and unusual season. That with, with, with Darnold having, having mono, it sets the team back. But let's face it, there have been 10 years of bad drafts in which they neglected I, the offensive line. Absolutely He's agree. responsible for the past 10 years. I absolutely he wasn't agree. Here. I absolutely agree. There have been 10 years of horrible drafts. You're totally right. But he's responsible for the you fact that, that they haven't been competitive. 
No, he's responsible for the fact that they haven't been competitive, that they don't compete, that he doesn't have a game plan, he doesn't make adjustments. That's what he is responsible for. If you've watched any of the games this year, the defense, you've seen the defense make adjustments. They've started off poorly, and they've made adjustments. The offense has never made adjustments. When you have your quarterback coming to you and saying, I need help, and then you're exposing him to look that bad on national television, that is your fault as a coach. I never hear Adam Gase say, I got this, this is my fault. He always passes the buck. And as a coach, that's going to get your that's players. That's true. He has taken responsibility when? Over, the, over the past when? six games. When? He has. When? He, he Don't tell me he has. Give me an example. I can't say, cite the specific date and of course time you can. that he said it, but, <laughs> but I, I recall reading articles where he, where he specifically took responsibility and said that this is on me. Okay, I, I, I disagree with that. But I'd like if, to see that yeah, article. I mean, article if, if you, you have it, if you have it, just send it to me eventually, yeah. okay? I mean, so seriously, I, I, I don't want to be unfair. Okay, I don't want to be unfair, all right? Now, my problem with this, Lou, okay, and I think you can relate to this as a Jeff. You've, you obviously have been a Jeff fan for a long time, okay? It sounds like you go back to Joe Namath and, in, the, in the 60s and Shea Stadium and all that, okay? Yes, I'm 63 years old, okay. and I've been a Jets fan since 1967. Okay, so you remember Don Maynard. You remember the, the game at the Elbow when they beat the Giants. You remember them beating the Colts. You remember them make, not making I've the playoffs the whole, whole 70s. Ride. Okay, and you, you, were you a season ticket holder at Shea Stadium? Pardon me? Were you a season ticket holder for them at Shea Stadium? My brother and I had season tickets through the, through, the, through the end of the 70s and through the 80s. Okay. Now, do you feel like they have stolen your money with the way that they've handled their organization? Listen, I don't feel like they've stolen my money. I feel like they haven't done a good job of building a good team okay. for many, many years. Like I said, it goes back to Leon Hess. It's right. You're not right. completely on the Johnson brothers. You're absolutely right. I, I, I didn't say but, but what now it is. To call the, the organization clowns and to say that they're completely incompetent is, is they're no more incompetent than any other team that has struggled. No, that, that's not true, though. Before, let, me, let me ask you something, Lou, because you, you, you know this. Okay, what, The Jets have won two division titles since the, since the merger. That's the fewest of any team. Even the Lions, who haven't, won back, who haven't had back-to-back 10-win seasons, have won three division titles. Even the Jaguars, who started in 1995, they've won three. The Jets have only won two, the fewest of any of the teams. They are one of uh, like two or three teams that have not been to the Super Bowl since the merger. They have not hosted an AFC championship game. These things matter. So they're not like everyone else. These things stand out. You know that before Chuck Noll became the coach of the Steelers in the early 70s, that they had never won anything? I know. Anything? I know, but they did. That they started to so win. Teams, teams hit their stride, and when they do, but it's they, fifty they years. Winners, it's they, fifty they, they years though. Their reputation behind. No one was, no one was criticizing Adam Gase after the after the Cowboys game. Nobody was saying he was a terrible coach or he was a clown. No, and nobody was saying that he was failing to adjust. He was a but, good coach, and he was making excellent offensive calls. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well, let, let's take the Cowboy game. Okay, like the sec- if, if you want to look at something really pathetic, look at the Jets, how, how they performed in the second half. I think they've had 35 drives and they've they've punted or downed or, or turned it over on 32 of them. They've only scored on three of those 35 drives in the second half. And that includes the Cowboys game, which they didn't score in the second. Well, they scored a field goal in the second half. OK, so they haven't made the adjustments at halftime. That's my biggest complaint with Gay so far is he got this job because he is an offensive 
an offensive mastermind, according to the people that uh, gave him, you know, uh, told the Jets to hire him, which was Peyton Manning and other people. I don't know. Whoever he had vouched for him mattered because they they were somebody important, and it it, it convinced Woody Johnson and company to hire him. So they did hire him. So through six games, we've seen nothing to make us feel confident that he can make adjustments or that we, the quarterback we've invested to him is able to run the, whatever game plan he has or whatever system there is. I understand the offensive line is a mess. There's no doubt about that. That, that should have been handled in the offseason, and it better be handled this offseason. But I think the smartest thing that they did was hire Douglas because he comes from a, a winning background. None of these other guys that they've hired come from winning backgrounds, and that just boggles my mind. The only guy they ever did hire that had a winning background or had a winning pedigree was Parcells. I'm not going to defend the fact that Gates hasn't made the right adjustments in games. However, he's a good designer of plays. Well, how, what makes you and say that's that? that's what makes him a good offensive What coach. makes you say that? What makes you say he's a good designer of plays? Because he designs plays well. Well, they don't if work. You watch, if you've ever watched Gates, I live I in Miami, and I watch Gates coach the Dolphins, and the guy is a good, innovative designer of plays. Well, that, that might be true, but if he cannot if he cannot get that to execute on a Sunday, it doesn't matter. He might be the, 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 big, the greatest genius that ever walked the face of the earth, but if he can't communicate that to, the, to his players and they can't execute his game plan. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of players said Joe Walton's offensive system was too complex. So, I, I mean, it, it, being, being a good designer of plays doesn't matter if you can't execute those plays. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Well, is the coach responsible for designing the plays or the execution? The execution. The execution. To me, to be the players. No, he's responsible for both because the players. Well, I, I get, I get that. Okay, there is a part of that the players are responsible for, but the players and coach have to be on the same page. So if you're not running, look, the, the, what's the best thing about Belichick? Okay, is that he recreates his game plans every week. Belichick looks at the at the other team and he says, "I am going to kill your weakness, and you're going to have to adjust to me." No, very few coaches can do that. Patriots rip up all the game plans they have, and they design what they need to to win week to week. All right. So if you have this system that nobody can run, it doesn't do you any good. And my, my biggest problem with Gase is that he, he was given this young quarterback, and then he has the GM fired. And what, why they fired the GM after he did the draft? That, that that just to me doesn't make any sense anyway. They don't address the offensive line, so they. they they have a quarterback that's now running for his life who had mono and has a, a, a problem with his spleen. It's like everything, can, everything can't be worse for Darno. And it just seems like he's lost on an island begging for help, which is what he was saying. Look, I, I'm lost out there, guys. Give me some kind of help. And now he looks like a clown because that happened. And too often that happens with the Jets because they're not prepared. And you have to be prepared in games like this. There was no... Absolutely no change in what they were doing offensively. It was, it was obvious what the Patriots were doing when they were lining up in zero coverage. And there was no, okay, well, we're, we're going to do this differently. We're gonna, this guy is going to be a guy we Nothing. And that, that to me is I've seen that too much. I've seen that with Kaza. I've seen it with Walton. I've seen it with Herman Edwards. I've seen it with Mangini. I've seen it with Rex Ryan. I've seen it with Bowles. You see what I'm saying? Does that make him a clown? Yes. Right now, it does. I'm sorry. Until they're one in five. And, and they've had that so... Is, 
completely inflammatory and ridiculous. Of course it is. Like, it's supposed to be inflammatory. Like to use the cliche, that typical media garbage. It's not a cliche, though. There's a reason why we use it. There's a reason why. Because at one in five, it's the same thing we've seen. That's why. I do, what I, do I enjoy doing that? Absolutely not. You think I want to do that? No. Is Freddie Kitchens a clown in Cleveland because they've struggled this year? No. Is Freddie, Freddie Kitchen, did they beat the Ravens? <laughs> I mean, you know, they, they, I mean, his, his struggles have to do with he's not commuting as well with the quarterback, but they're not the state the, state the Jets are in. I mean, the Jets have lost. You, have you seen their point differential? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's embarrassing. That, 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 that's my point, that they're not competing. We had to talk about the point differential. What kind of quarterback, what kind of play have we had? What kind of players have we had? We've, we've suffered injuries all over the place. We always do, though. Yeah, the injuries the aren't offense, an excuse. On the defense as well. And, yeah, and, in, injuries uh, aren't an excuse, though. Injuries aren't an excuse. Injuries are not an excuse for coming out and not executing game plan. Injuries are not an excuse for not competing. Injuries are not an excuse for, having, for being able to adjust to what the other team is doing. You know that. It's just become it's just become like going over a waterfall. It's unstoppable. All the things combined, the offensive line, the injuries, the sicknesses, it just it just I agree. Has, has snowballed on the jet. I agree. Uh, uh, but it happens it, it it keeps snowballing. This is now fifty years that it's no it's one big snowball. <laughs> it's like an avalanche. So I you know, I, I, I understand, Lou. I mean I, I understand your frustration. It's, it's too bad you, you feel the way you do. I understand. That, that's fine. I mean, I, 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 not, not everybody's going to like what I write. I, I, I don't write to people. Let, let me just say this, Mark. Yeah. I run a Jets fan page called the True New York Jets, Jets Fan Zone. Okay. And as, as a leader of the group, I, I take it as my responsibility to try to remain positive. Okay. And to, okay. And to, and to, and to knock down the negativity. Because okay. Because nobody wants to be in a group that that the person running the group is negative and, and a downer. It's, just, it's a bummer. And so, and so I try and remain positive. And I that's why I go after people who are negative and I go after these kind of articles. Okay. Because well, I, I feel it's my that. responsibility as the leader of that group I to, that. to give some positive leadership. It's like any organization, any kind of business organization. People want to follow positive people. You're right. And so, and so I, I, I take a positive outlook, even when I may feel that, that, that they're crap and, that, they're, and that, that I'm angry at them for the way they play as well. You're right. I, I, I admire that. I understand that. where I'm coming from. Okay, no, I, I admire that, okay? But my, my job is also to hold the, the organization responsible and to do something to, to inhibit some sort of ch- or, or, or to create some sort of change. And that, 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 that's what I think ultimately all Jet fans want to see. And it is, is change in the everyday same thing, the old same old Jets play like a Jet stuff that we've heard and seen for over 50 years. When you years. hear same old Jets, it just makes the, the, the oh, hairs on I'm the back sure of my does. stand up. You're not the only one. Luke, I thank you. It's the same old Jets fan mentality. Yeah, it, it is. But, until, but they are, they're the ones that change that, not the fans. They change that with their play. They change that with showing us like they did with Parcells and Belichick when they were there. Uh, you know, that, that they can execute and that they can uh, form a game plan and win. And finally give us something where our, you know, if you're dressing your kid in Jets garb going to school, uh, he's getting, the poor kid's going to get ridiculed. He's going to get mocked and laughed at. He is. Let me I, I, tell you something. That makes me mad. As I mentioned, I live in Miami. And, and I have 
grandchildren. I would love to buy them Jets gear, and I would love to try and make them Jets fans, but I don't want them to suffer exactly. the same, same misery that I've suffered. My point exactly, Lou. Thank you. So, but I appreciate that call, Lou, and thank you, and you're welcome to call any time, okay? Okay, it was great talking to you, and thanks for, for at least standing up and letting me, letting me attack you on, on uh-huh. air and, and defending your article. You're a good guy. Thank you. You too, Lou. God bless. All right, it was a pleasure being Thank you, Lou, for the call. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Lou, but yeah. And again, you want to check out Mark's article, Primetime, another uh, offensive display for the Jets uh, on the WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Great article, again, highlighting basically the Jets' um, issues, not just this year, but in primetime against the Patriots. Mark has some great stats in there. The last eight times they've played, it's just been a debacle. And I'll just... I'm just going to insert my two cents here as a I'm sorry, a innocent bite. No, no, you're fine. It seems like you guys was just you no, guys no, no. totally shut off. I didn't mean to do that. No, 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 Mark. But like again, you two are Jets fans, so I feel like at least looking from the outside in, that attitude of of positivity. And I get it because especially now we live in such a negative world. It's so easy to be negative, harp on the bad things instead right. of trying to bring to light the good things. Right. And I'm not like that as a person overall. I'm really right. not. But unfortunately, when there's so much negative, there's not much positive you do have to address the reality of the situation. The Jets right now, like you said, it's not just this year. It's not just the injuries with Sam Darnold. It's been a pattern of just mediocrity, really, you know, for the, the most of the duration that the franchise has been around outside of a few good years here and there. But that's the issue. They haven't been mm-hmm. able to sustain those good years. They had good years in 2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. Back-to-back AC games haven't, you know, haven't been anywhere close to that mm-hmm. since. So they it's haven't just made like, the playoffs eight straight years, you know, and, and it seems like, so look, if, if we don't hold anybody, if we don't hold them accountable, it's like the people who follow the president, all right? They, now, they, whether I agree or disagree with how the press handles Trump, they're doing what they think they need to do in holding people accountable. And if you're a sports writer, you try to hold the teams that you follow accountable. That's the only thing you can do. You, the worst thing you can do is to appease somebody who's failing time after time and keep patting them back, telling them they're doing great. Exactly, and it's not, it doesn't make you a bad fan by pointing out the negatives not. and being frustrated that you want to see better play. I mean, at the end of the goal, everyone who's a fan wants to see their team win a championship. Right, and I understand where he's coming from. If, right. you're, if, you're, if you run a group and you, you could have, you could have you know, people leaving on, you know, by, by the thousands like you had at the game the other night, right. you know, sometimes you've got you to gotta play that card in order to keep people there and kind of keep the, everybody calm. But right. he, you know, that, this is where I feel bad for people like, like, like Lou because – the Jets don't put you in a good position. Right. Now they make you be the bad person trying right. to defend them when there's not much to defend. Right. And like I said, um, and the biggest thing is just being fair. Mark, I thought your article is very fair. Again, check it out, WorldWideSportsRadio.com. Mark Hollitz does a great job, a ton of great stats in there about the Jets' struggles uh, in primetime against the Patriots. So when we come back, we'll, we'll talk a little World Series. Game three tonight. Zach Greinke going against Anibal that, huh? Sanchez. The yeah, Nationals. What would you say, Nationals in six? I said Astros in six. Oh, well, I, mine so. already, mine's already done because I said Astros in five, so that was I said good. I said national sweep. National, wow. Wow, you did? Yeah. Oh, well, but this is like a Easy, arrow. easy to say up to nothing. Just kidding, This is like an arrow I called it, just, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I, I called it. Before. We're just kidding with you, Austin. So, like I said, yeah, Nationals up 2 nothing going back home. Annabelle Sanchez, Zach Greinke tonight. We'll get to the surprising start so far with the Nationals. Can the Astros turn it around as the series over? We'll get into that. The morning boys, Ryan Hickey, Mark Everett Kelly, Austin Teitelbaum with you right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the morning boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Better. 
much better. Right? I, I like the open, I'll, you know. Uh, the open was good. A little sexy Friday. Yeah. I like the, the vibe you get going. I have a sing-along one of these times. Do that's karaoke. <laughs> you want to take it over here to lead, Mark? No, not yet. No? Okay. We'll get, we'll get a little warmed up. Maybe yeah. another hour or so we'll, yeah, uh, we'll have a little sing-along. Definitely. We'll have a sing-along <laughs> next hour. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks so much for tuning in to the Morning Boys. Ryan Hickey, Mark Everett Kelly, also Austin Tidalbaum, excuse me, with you. You can watch us on Twitter at WWSRN underscore radio. That's our Worldwide Sports Radio Network Twitter handle where you can watch us, listen to us. You want to follow us on Twitter at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. Mark is at CK Magic Sports. A lot of good stuff there from him. We heard from Lou just last second, one 9977 if you want to give us your thoughts. Uh, we led a little bit with the Vikings. Lou wanted to call in. Um, about Mark's article with the Jets on primetime against the Patriots. But we'll circle back. We'll, I know we tease baseball. We'll get to baseball at the top of the hour. Just about 15 minutes here as the Nats, again, up to nothing in the World Series, head home. Game three is tonight. But we'll finish our talk and our discussion on Kirk Cousins because my biggest takeaway last night for Thursday Night Football, as the Vikings do beat the Redskins 19-9, to was that you just can't trust Kirk Cousins when it comes to the big time, when it comes to the home stretch and trying to win games that actually matter to either get in the playoffs or once you do get in the playoffs. Mark does have a dissenting view. Kind of laid out the biggest reasons why is now that October is in the books, at least for the Vikings, Kirk Cousins, 10 touchdowns, one interception, 137 passer rating in the entire month. So he lit it up, struggled in September against the Bears and the Packers on the road in division. But again, had a nice bounce back. But you look at the month of December now, looking ahead, He's 11 and 12. He has the most interceptions of any month in his career, which is 18. He has the lowest completion percentage of any month in his career at 63. The lowest QBR of any month at 89.9. And you look at the December schedule coming up. Road game at the Seahawks, which is never easy. Home against the Lions. At the Chargers, which, you know, the Chargers have just been an absolute disgrace this year. Most most disappointing team probably in the AFC. That's very fair. Going from the playoffs last year to – Probably not making. I mean, uh, barring a miraculous turnaround at two and five so far, which they've had at, at points in there. Right, has that been the story? You know, of yeah. the Chargers, they start off slow. I mean, I wouldn't say this slow at two and five, but well, they have started off slow in the past before uh, roaring back. There was a year where they were four and eight, and the Broncos were eight and four, and they won their last four games. Broncos lost their last four games, and they wanted winning the division. So you're you're saying there's a chance. You're, you're saying, saying you're, there's a chance. The three yeah. Chargers fans out there, don't give up hope three. at two and five. There's more. There's at least five. <laughs> All right, at least five. Excuse me. You're right. And then the rest are just other fans coming into your stadium. And then the Vikings finish with the Packers and Bears at home. And you go back to last December, Vikings go two and three, lost a crucial game at home week 17 against the Bears when they were resting starters to miss the playoffs. So for me, that's where my pessimism lies in trusting Kirk Cousins to win big games, trusting him and this Vikings team, who are, again, 6-2, and two, playing very well, again, outside of those two road divisional games early on in the year. But, Mark, you're saying have faith. If you're a Vikings fan, have faith Kirk Cousins in year two. Yes, last year was not an aberration, but last year was not the reason why you should believe that Kirk Cousins can't get it done, and you are instead believing in the quarterback and the team. Well, yeah, I think that it's a learning curve, uh, and he hasn't played poorly, really, in December. If you look at his individual games, uh, going back to 2015 uh, when he was with Washington, all right, a Washington team that... I mean, they were hovering way, around Nate, 500 yeah, yeah, basically they, his entire tenure there, right? 9-7, 7-9, 8-8. They were 4-8 and eight going into December uh, after he lost the first game against Dallas 1916, which he threw uh, 
completed 22 or 31, one touchdown, 219 yards. Okay. So after that, the four games after that, uh, with against Chicago, they won 24-21. Against the Bills, they won 35-25. Against Philadelphia, 38-24. Dallas, 34-23. They won all four of those games. And he, what were his numbers? Uh, 12 touchdowns, no picks in those games. Excuse me. 12 touchdowns, one pick in those games. Threw for over 300 yards in three of those games. And, we're, and three of those, three of the four were on the road. So that's December of 2015. So but that, that's my point. I think you said going in there 4-8, correct? Yeah. So well, that's I, my point. Like he plays well when the games don't matter or the pressure is not on. 4-8, no one's expecting the Redskins to make a playoff push. No one is expecting them, you know, I mean, again, must win. And, you know, everyone on the team is like, oh, we have to win this game. But there's not pressure from the outside. There's not pressure from the fan base. There's not pressure even internally on Kirk Cousins himself because, again, 4-8. and eight, you're not saying this is a playoffs or bust. You're not saying this is a must-win game going against a playoff-caliber team in a game that means something. But, you know, I, like, I'd have to look at more of the going into before that season. But it's you, that, that, that isn't always in the quarterback. That's not always the quarterback's fault, especially when you're the Redskins, okay? And back then, the Redskins were – they've been bad for a long time. 2015, they finished 9-7. and seven. He led the league in completion percentage, Kirk Cousins. And he was 27. That was his really first full year starting. All right. Uh, the next year, the 8 7 and 1, 25 touchdowns, 12 picks, almost he threw for 70 or 83 yards shy of 5,000 yards. There's only five quarterbacks in NFL history that have done that. But this is my, again, this is my frustration. I think yeah, you take, you're saying of, individual games. No, not yes. Or games that matter. Like he put, exactly. Like he puts up these great numbers that make you seem, oh, he's pretty good. Like he's not the problem. But then he feasts on teams that aren't great or okay. don't have the games where there's pressure. And then as soon as he faces a tough defense or as soon as there's a divisional game that matters, he chokes under pressure, can't, for whatever reason, get over that mental hump to play well and just get the ball to his receivers. And you see the offense go stagnant. Okay, but, but to, I, 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 just, I just gave you that. 2000, 2015, okay? We're, we're at Chicago, at Philadelphia, at Dallas. Those are all tough games. But and again, four, like four and eight. They're not eight and four going were, to try to win the division. Right, they, they, were, they were five and or going into four, them four, and, four and seven because they wind up, they wind up nine and seven that year. And again, okay, the 2015 is a nice year. He's 0 and 2 in the playoffs. You look at the splits. Is it fair to say if you play an afternoon or a late game, or a late game, excuse me, that's a, a primetime game, that's a pretty big game. He yeah. is 9-23 and 23 in those games. Again, to your point, it's not totally fair to put a win-loss record just solely on the quarterback's shoulders because mm-hmm. there's plenty of examples, whether it's the team not coming through, he mm-hmm. have statistically a good game, the defense lets him down. But I think it's not a coincidence when you are 9-23 and 23 mm-hmm. in afternoon or late games, when you are afternoon under 500. All right, so, you well, know, like the 425 national game, like they have been in big okay. games like that. And a late game, obviously primetime, whether it's Thursday night, Monday night, Sunday night, those are usually big games throughout the season where you know, it actually means something or they're playing a, a decent opponent. To me, it's not a coincidence that he is well under 500 in those games. And again, he's under 500 in December. He has the most interceptions of any mm-hmm. month in that month, lowest completion percentage, um, and what was the other? Lowest quarterback rating. Okay, now so I, to, I, I could give you like 2017 when he was with the, the, the Redskins, okay? Uh, he, uh, he had bad games. Starting with November 30th at Dallas, lose 38 to 14. Uh, at the Chargers, lose 30 to 13. And then the last game of the year at the Giants, 
lose 18 to 10. He threw three picks, no, no touchdowns in that game. So I, I could see for that year, yeah, he, he, he played poorly on the road in must-win games. But even, right? even going back to last year again, a must-win week 17. Win and you were in for at the home. wild card at right. home against the Bears, who are resting. Again, they had a great defense last year. Mm-hmm. The Bears, they were resting players and not totally bought into winning right. the game. Right, right? They, to them, this game meant nothing. They're getting healthy for the. They're hosting a playoff game next week. The Vikings needed this in the worst way. Right. Kirk Cousins did not get it done. He struggled. Okay, look at this year. They go on the road at the Packers and at the Bears. The two losses they have, he looked awful. You had and think about that. Think about what that led to. That led to to Stephon Diggs. Basically, hinting at a trade or, po- or making it known that he is unhappy. You had Adam Thielen basically saying, We have to throw the ball. It's embarrassing that we can't throw the ball. It, to me, it's not a coincidence. Like, th- this is not a one off where these two guys coming out of nowhere just had one bad game and are frustrated. This is a pattern that happens every big game. They're aware of it, where it's like every time we play a decent defense or are playing a game that means something, our quarterback fails and just shrivels up in the spotlight. They realize that. And again, to me, that's why both Thielen and Diggs voiced their displeasure and made it almost a ruckus in the locker room to be like Kirk Kirk Cousins. Think about it. Kirk Cousins went on a podcast Mm. after the Bears game and publicly apologized to Thielen and Diggs for his play. Right. To me, that doesn't happen if this was, again, one game where he just played bad. Okay, you shrug it off. It happens. You know, bad games do happen. Mm. But when it's a pattern of consistency, that's when you have to get nervous. And to me, at least, that's why I am nervous about the Vikings. I want to buy it. I really do. (laughs) To me, the Vikings are the team I like a lot because, like you said, they're talented everywhere, right, Right. Mark? Like. the roster, top to bottom, one to fifty-three. They had the, one of the most talented rosters of football. The but, biggest I mean, issue it, is their quarterback holding them back. But this wasn't a. This wasn't. This problem wasn't just uh, Kirk Cousins. You look before that. Vikings started six and zero and and didn't make the playoffs. Okay, so uh, they they've had consistency problems like that, no matter who their quarterback was. All right, but since then, all right, since that Bears game, he ten touchdowns, one pick, uh, completion percentage just under eighty percent, twelve hundred sixty-one yards. Uh, he's got on this on the season. He's got he's got his numbers are are very good compared to what they were at any other point uh, during you know the, the first couple the first what eight games of his right. career. So you know four touchdowns against Philly and Detroit. Um, so he's 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 showing that he can uh, understands the talent that he's around. It was going to take a little while, all right. And, but even in last year, okay. The, leading up to that Bear game, they had they had wins over the Lions and the Dolphins, uh, big wins where he played well, and, and you don't get to that Bear game where it's a playing game unless he does that. So there's a give and take with that. I understand what you're saying overall. There's been concern that he can play big in a big game. There was a concern for Peyton Manning that way too. I mean, for a long time, Peyton Manning. He, he you know, you look at his his career up until the point that he beat Brady in the championship game in 2006. He lost to Florida all four years at Tennessee, which is probably the biggest game for any Tennessee. Now, um, you know, they win the national championship the year after he lives with T. Martin, all right? He loses 41 to nothing to the Jets in a playoff game. He loses to Miami in a playoff game. And then he loses at home to the Titans in a playoff game. And then finally, you know, then he finally breaks through at Kansas City. 38 yep. to 35, I believe, where he beats Trent Green. Yep, and then the next week, then yep. the next week he gets exposed by Belichick. Right, two years in a row, they go to New England, they yeah, get smoked. They no, I get it. They lose to the, the Chargers a few times at they, home. In 2005, they lose to the to the Steelers in a really awful game. Uh, the Steelers wind up going to the Super Bowl. But to be fair, that was a game where uh, Dungy's son 
died before, so they, they, there was right, a lot of Van Der Jack missed that. the field. Like again, yeah. there's a lot of, and I right. understand. I understand the comparison you're making. To me, it's just like every time when you bring up Kirk Cousins and like the things he does well. To me, that's where the frustration lies with him because he shows he has the talent. He can be a very good quarterback. Like you said, all the numbers you're hitting on, he is great. He well, is yeah, great. Great. When, great ooh, yeah, he's he's, like, he's good. Right, but yeah. like, but my point is like he's shown glimpses where he can be great, right? Mm-hmm. Against some of those bad teams, like you said, ten touchdowns, one interception, the entire month of October. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. That's you know upper yeah, echelon of the Completion percentage just under eighty percent. Right. I mean that's pretty. That, that is right. Pretty that is, would you say in a small sample size that is great? Yeah. He has shown flashes where he can be a very good quarterback, a top five quarterback in the league. The, my issue is again every time there's a big game, it's just not consistent, and he doesn't step up, and that's a frustration because I want to believe every year in the Vikings. One of my good friends is a Vikings fan. I feel bad. They have like every year it seems like they get so close and have just a debacle of a loss. Yeah, well, I mean that that <laughs> right. I know. Plenty we, of we fan can go bases, back to right. when they when they lost to the Cardinals that time uh, when they had Dante Culpepper and the Cardinals were god awful, and they lost that last game of the season on the last play of the game. Right. You know, so, where, where Del, I think Del Rio was a coach. I mean, that, that was probably one of the worst losses in Vikings history. So, yeah. You know, but, but, but look, Cousins has – he had last year to kind of say, oh, well, you know what, i got to get used to my teammates. Right? And he still had a good year last year, even though he, there has been that inconsistency. My point is that with the great quarterback – I'm not going to call him great, but with quarterbacks, I mean, and, and Peyton was a great example of that. Peyton had some real stinkers – in the, his biggest games, which were his playoff games. He lost to the Chargers at home. He lost to the Steelers at home. He, you know, he, he, he stunk against the Patriots at New England. There, there have been plenty of playoff games. The Jet game, there have plenty of playoff games where he played poorly. And then he eventually wound up winning two Super Bowls. Right. I'll so, say this to be fair to Peyton Manning. Just not to cut, sorry, I mean cut you off, but I'll, this is the difference to me. Peyton Manning... Again, you highlight his postseason struggles, and it's well known, right? Throughout his career, even when he got over the hump, he still lost some bad playoff games after that. Mm-hmm. But he, at least in the regular season, made the plays to set them up to get to the postseason. Kirk Cousins right now is struggling to even do that. Like, that's the, like that to me, that's a difference. Peyton Manning, like you said, has been great in the regular season, struggles in the postseason. But even in those big games in the regular season, he has gotten it done on, at home or on the road to set his team up to at least get to the playoffs. Where, again, like you said, there's been disappointing losses here and there throughout the years, but Kirk Cousins right now is not even getting to the point where he can set his team up to make the playoffs, and more times than not, he's been the reason why they've missed the playoffs, and that is my frustration because he has shown flashes and glimpses where he can be good, lead a team, lead an offense to be one of the best offenses in football, but again, time and time again, when the spotlight gets bigger, when the stage is set, he just doesn't show up. Okay, well, um, let, 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 let's look at this. Okay, so 2015, the, the games I brought up. When they finished nine and seven, they made the playoffs that year. Okay, that was his only really playoff appearance because in 2012 he made the playoffs, but that wasn't really him. That was um, RG three, and then he got yeah, hurt against right. the Seahawks. Yeah. Okay, so he's made the playoffs one year out of his what? One, two, three, four, five. This is fifth year starting. Okay, because you, you go back to 2015, that was really his first full year as, as a starter. So. One year out of now, out of four previous years, okay? Every other year, except for 2017, he had a winning record. Now, the teams, I, I, I would venture to say the Redskins teams weren't very good. They were, they were okay, but they were in a division with the Cowboys who were, who, were, who were really good in 2016. 2017, the Eagles win the Super Bowl. So and the Giants with Eli have always competitive. So he was in a, in a tough division, all right? And now, in 2018, you, 
he, maybe he needed that year to get accustomed to these guys with all the talent that's around him. He's looking around saying, oh, my God, look at all this talent. Uh, how to run the ball, how to, how to you know, make sure that you don't lose it for the defense. There's a point where when you have a very good defense, you're, the quarterback can lose the game. He can't yeah, always win I, a game, but totally, he can lose I totally, a game. Look at the Bears with yeah. Mitchell Trubisky. So I, I, I think all those things are, in fact, are, are going to play. All right, now they're 6-2. and two. It looks like he's on the same page with these guys. He realizes how to distribute the ball, which is important when you have athletes everywhere. Even with Bridgewater, they had so many good offensive athletes with Bridgewater there that it took a, it, it took a little while to Bridgewater to, to get them where they got to the playoffs. Then he got hurt, and then they make the playoffs with Keenum, okay? Yep. And then they have that, that, you know, they, they have that miracle win against uh, the Saints, and then they fall apart against the Eagles. Yep. So the, the, the Vikings don't have the greatest track record either as far as being able to play well and consistent, and consistent before he got there. So this is just part, I think, of the learning curve. We'll see. I like again. Yeah, second, I understand second what you're saying, though. You're right. right, and he's got to prove himself. He's, he's got it. You know, when these games now, as he, if they finish 8-8, eight and eight, right. you're right. The first half of the year, he's done his job. I think right. we all can agree that 6-2, and two, four in a row. And again, especially coming off that month of October, he's been outstanding. Personally, again, my confidence is not in Kirk Cousins. You are buying high. And again, Mark, this is the best part. We have two months to see what he can do. Yep. He can easily prove me wrong, prove you right, make a nice playoff run, and get the Vikings looking good. So, again, we'll see if Kirk Cousins can finally step up for once. We're, we're, I think we're all rooting for him. It's not like you know, we're hating on him. It's just right now at least the track record does not favor that if you are a Vikings fan. Switch over to baseball. Again, Nationals up 2-0 in the World Series. Yeah, Game boy. three tonight in Washington. I think so far at least an outcome no one expected. Vegas especially having the biggest, making the Astros the biggest favorites in almost 12 years when the Red Sox played the Rockies. So obviously a lot going on, a lot to digest as the Nationals so far shocking the world up to nothing, beating Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander in back-to-back games, something that not many teams have done uh, in that career. So we'll, we will, come, when we come back, talk a lot of baseball. Can the Astros save the series? Can they salvage a win tonight? We'll get into that. Morning, boys. Ryan Hickey, Mark Evercarelli, Austin Teitelbaum with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It is the Morning Boys, Ryan Hickey, Mark Everkelly, Austin Teitelbaum with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Holy Diver. You don't like oh, Duo? Duo. Okay, I'm thinking. I, I know the name. I, can, the, I the love the go really well. I, I know the voice, yeah. I was going to say, Mark, I thought this was right up, right up your alley here. No, no. I, look, I, I, I wasn't a, a metalhead, okay? Like yeah, I, and, and Dio was never a, I never really listened to Dio. What's your What's your best bands? Like your favorite bands? Well, uh, okay, you gotta understand. I, I I grew up going you know to Smithtown Christian School, so yeah. I, I I wasn't allowed to listen to a lot of heavy metal. All right, I remember one time my dad caught me listening to Motley Crue. I got like oh boy grounded oh. for like three weeks. Okay, oh, no. so um, it, it, I I have to you know as I've gotten older, my brother is like the the the. Music connoisseur. He knows more about music than there's only one person I know that knows more music than my brother, this guy Mike Nastassi, who I go to church with. Who, who, every time you look on Facebook, he's listening to another album. Okay, oh, wow. uh, but 
he, he got me into the, a lot of this stuff. And he, he brought me up into the 70s bands like Foghat and, um, you know, uh, Pearl, not Pearl Jam. Uh, Pearl Jam's uh, the 90s. Yeah, um, no, the Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd and, uh, and uh, Bad Company. Yeah, Bad Company's and, the You know, best. okay, so, um, you know, Paul Rogers was the lead singer for free. And he went to, you know, so the, the, there was a lot of that that I was, I was brought up in. And that's kind of the music I appreciate. The Black Sabbath um, type yeah, it's always like a little too evil for me. Yeah, Black Sabbath used uh, a lot of chords that was banned from the church, actually. In yeah, a couple of their songs. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, yeah, uh, but, but you know, who, who knows if that's real or not? Of a stage, and, you know, people say it's just an act, and you know, ACDC has always been a group I love because they have. I still believe they have the best guitarists of anybody. A hundred percent. Yeah, um, I've always loved Van Halen. Um, I've always loved uh, Foreigner, Boston. You know, they're, they're, you know, so I'm, I'm more of a classic rock guy, but I also like. I've seen Harry Connor Jr. I've seen uh, <clears throat> Barry Manilow. I've seen a lot of... Uh, Barry, I love uh, Copacabana. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, Barry Manilow, you said the best concert you've been to, right? Yeah. No, no, ba- no, not Barry Manilow. <laughs> no, Harry Connick. Oh, Harry Connick, right. Oh, I messed, get I'm right, I messed that up. I'm sorry. You're going to break a street crap. <laughs> I know. Come on. Barry I'm sorry about that. Barry Manilow. I take it back. Yeah, I, I, you know, just because a guy likes Barry Manilow doesn't mean he's... I like Barry Manilow. ...not I'm in with touch with his, male, uh, with his male side, okay? All right. Anyway, so we, we who do we got? We got, we got we we got somebody on the line. Who is this? It's Errol. Who? Who's who's this? Who we got? You know who this is. <laughs> you know damn well who this is. You know damn well. All right. A long time you call. You know damn Errol. well who it is. What's up, big guy? Well, I will tell you guys this. I don't know if you guys listened to my rant yesterday. No. About <laughs> Stephen A. Smith, I had a about a fifteen-minute rant of disgust about Stephen A. Smith and his thoughts when it comes down to sports. And he said something yesterday that just irked me on his radio show. Absolutely irked me on his radio show. He's talking about Kevin Durant going to Brooklyn, that it's not cool going to play for the New York Knicks. Meanwhile, in the offseason, there were so many talks that he wanted to go to the Knicks. The Knicks just didn't offer him a contract. Okay? He said that when Kevin Durant comes back, the Nets will be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference, guaranteed. And that it's going, to send, it's going to send a frenzy in the Eastern Conference, and Giannis is going to flee Milwaukee and go to Golden State. The same guy that came out and said about, I don't know, five months ago that he says he hates big cities and he will not play in a big city. Now, my problem with Stephen A. Smith in so many different ways than one. This is the same guy last week, actually about a week and a half ago, posting up on social media, laughing at the Cowboys because they got beat by the New York Jets. The same guy, the same guy that in the offseason said that the Jets could win nine, possibly ten games. Making fun of the New York Jets. Making fun of the teams that play the Jets. Also, the same guy that came out I don't know, what was it, three years ago, talking about boxing, which he knows nothing about boxing, absolutely nothing, comes out and says, well, Floyd Mayweather quite possibly could be the second best boxer in boxing history. Not talking about guys like Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield, uh, I don't know, Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Patterson, Joe Lewis. Okay, I, I just, 
I, I'm so sick of I don't care how nice of a guy he is, Mark, because you've met him and you're nice. You're, you're, I've met Stephen A. Smith too. I think he's a cocky, you know what? I think <laughs> he, he walks he, around. He like definitely he, is. He knows everything. He certainly does. He yeah. knows everything and he's better than everybody else. And then he talks about the Knicks, talks about the state of flux, or where the New York Knicks are, and the organization doesn't know what they're doing, and that they wanted Zion Williamson, and they, they, they obviously got the wrong pick. The same wrong pick that scored 21 points the other day against the San Antonio Spurs, the great defensive San Antonio Spurs. And Julius Randle, uh, he wasn't much of a big name that went to the Knicks. Oh, he just scored 25 and 10 in his first debut as a New York Knicks. This is the same guy that says nobody, nobody will ever want to go and play for the New York Knicks. Nobody. So, and I, I'll tell you this, I know a lot of people like to hear themselves talk on radio, and there's a lot of people that I listen to throughout the day on sports radio, but that guy is so full of you-know-what. I don't even want to talk about it on the radio because it makes me sick to my stomach. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He talks out of his ass. And then when he goes out I just and have people the, call the him image out. image of someone talking out people, of their ass. <laughs> people calling him out on his radio show. Right. If anybody listens to his radio show, he hangs up on him. Or he's got something smart to say. Mm. Or he thinks he knows what he's talking about. Right. And he attacks their, their, their uh, I guess, their sportshood, I uh, ask him, well, what do you know about basketball? I get it. I've been a part of basketball for 20 it. years, 25 years. What do you know? I get it. What but do you know? That's, that's, I'm just I get tired it. of listening to him speak. I think that's part of an act, though. I, I think that they, they want him to act that way. So I, I think he acts that way because he has to. I, I, I think he likes it. But I, I, if he's, not, he's not normally that, he's not that way, obviously, if you meet him in person. His on-air personality is absolutely really different. But he, uh, why I like what he says a lot of the times is because he'll have uh, an opinion that is really harsh that sometimes needs to be set. So I appreciate that about him. I don't always agree with him. I, I certainly don't always agree with Kellerman, who I really <laughs> who I think I, the way you feel about Stephen A is the way I feel about Kellerman. And Errol, I have some good news for you as well. You don't have to listen to his radio show anymore because it looks like with his new deal, he will be giving up the radio show. So good news there, at least you don't have to listen to him anymore. Yeah, but he's going to have a TV gig again, right? Oh, yeah, he'll be all over TV for sure. And that's probably probably why he's giving up the radio show to be more on TV. Who is clapping? Oh, Austin. Austin obviously is pumped up. I'm like, wow, that was a pretty good clap. I'm like, Errol, if you're clapping into the phone, that's a hell of a connection you have. No, I'm not clapping because I really could care less where he goes. He's getting more money. He's yeah. getting more money. He, got, so he makes some. He does pretty well for himself. Errol, I'll say this: the reaction you have right now is exactly why ESPN is giving him all that money. They want people not only to talk about yeah. what he's talking about, to talk about him, to yeah, get they, fired yeah. up, to hate what he's saying. Yeah, they know they don't. And like get him, yeah. think about it, you are so triggered. You are calling us to talk about yeah, what know. Stephen A. is saying. That is exactly what he wants and what ESPN wants. Well, isn't that what everybody does to me? So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, serious. I mean, everybody does it to me on our radio network. So it's like, I don't really care. But well, we, we respect you, Errol. We don't do that to you. I don't care if you got to do it. I mean, that's, that's the way sports radio is. But I, I, it's, not, it's not even that Did you hear trying it? to make... I'm sorry, I mean, but did you hear what, what happened this morning? I mean, I, I had to deal with a guy who said my writing was crap. 
It was awesome. Oh, said that. I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear that. Yeah, you didn't hear that? No. We, yeah, we had yes. a guy call in, and he basically told me why my article was crap. But it was a good conversation. I, I think everything kind of got out in the open. We aired our differences. And, and you want to know something? You want to know something? Writing, putting it on a piece of paper is different than talking about it. When you, you can explain it in detail on why you think a particular situation is the way you see it, then speaking about it, it, it gives you a, co- a completely different outlook to the analytics to what you see. Now, okay. I, I look at what people like Stephen A. Smith says, but who probably doesn't want to watch a full football game in his life, hasn't watched a full football game in his life. He sits there and he laughs, he posts things because people love what Stephen A. Smith does because he has a million people following him and he makes his, his millions of dollars, okay? I don't really care what anybody thinks of me. I don't really care what anybody thinks of my writing. All I want to do is entertain people. Stephen does that too. Right. The thing about Stephen A. Smith is, Stephen A. Smith, besides basketball, has no idea what he's talking about. And after what he said about Giannis going to Golden State, I'm starting to think he knows nothing what's going on in basketball. Because Giannis Onokopupo, whatever his name is, the Greek freak, I can never pronounce that guy's yeah, name. No, no, Yesterday okay. was you're, so you're, not, you're not alone in that. I know, and you, uh, Speedy actually said the same thing. I was trying to pronounce it. Yeah, I, I was I, trying to pronounce I it yesterday. I, I tried to pronounce it three or four times yesterday <laughs> in my segment, and he says, why don't you just call him the Greek freak? And the I, Greek, said, Greek. I think that's better. So it, it just, to me, why say something if you, know how, you don't have backing behind it? And you know what the kid has said numerous amount of, numerous amount of times that he doesn't want to go to a big marketplace. Golden State is a big marketplace now. It yeah, is. Nah, it's a big marketplace. But it's not like it's not like going to New York or something. Or like going LA. To LA. Yeah. Chicago. I think that, that's kinda of what he meant. Arkansas. Well hold on hold on one second. Golden State has won three championships. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that it's years. a big market. It, it became a big marketplace. When you win that many championships, you become a big marketplace. You become a destination. That's a big market. No, but it's Golden just... State. Gold, hold on, hold on, Mark. Okay. Last year, what did Golden Golden State sell out? Well, where were they ranked? Where were they ranked at sellouts last year? That doesn't matter. Well, I mean, sellouts, sellouts don't matter. And media sellouts coverage is two different things. Yeah, media coverage matters. Uh, how many papers you have writing for you in that in that district? Right. That's how many what reporters are showing up to practice? Right. What are the talk show hosts saying constantly? Yeah. And I now, mean, too, you look at L.A., I mean, when you have the Lakers and the Clippers, a lot of the national attention, especially, I mean, you saw the Warriors play last night. If they struggle this year, Giannis goes there, they'll be a big story for sure, but mm-hmm. the attention will be in L.A. Yeah, nobody's going to pay attention to them like they are L.A. This right. Year. The whole story is in LeBron, LA. Kawhi, they're, they're PGA, AD. If that, if that four stay together in L.A. for three, four, five years, that's where most, yeah. again, we're not saying that there will be no coverage. That's where most of the, the attention will of be LA. paid. Yeah, yeah, in Los Angeles. Yeah, where LeBron is, and and where uh, now Ka- Kawhi, who's probably most considered the best player in the NBA right now. Wouldn't you say well, so, Errol? I think Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the NBA. Yeah. So I mean, and I think yeah. you saw how he played last night. I mean, he played played awesome. I mean, the guy's really you know established himself since he was a uh, you know came into the league with he the Spurs. Established him- Established himself when he was the MVP when the San Antonio Spurs mm-hmm. knocked off the Miami Heat. Yep. He established himself right there yep. that he was one of the great players in the league. Yep. The guy shows up in big games. Mm-hmm. He's proven to be a, a guy to show up in big games. And I'm so sick and tired of people making fun of the Knicks on what the Knicks are doing. Nobody wants to play for the Knicks. No big names want to come to the Knicks because they're not a destination yet. 
they brought in players, they brought in young players that they right. can build their team and build a nucleus around. Yeah. And then eventually, if you build around one or two players, then you have, if R.J. Barrett becomes a star, and then you have Julius Randle, I believe, is a coming coming to become a superstar at 24 years old, mm-hmm. then you have players you can build your team around. Then you have a destination, yeah. a core of players you can build your team around. So I like what the Knicks are yeah, doing. Me, I like what too. Scott Perry is doing. Me too. I, and I, I, think it's, I think it's obnoxious what some of these guys are saying about the organization. I, I think what, what Stephen A. says about the Knicks is kind of what, what most people feel about Dolan. Is He's a Knicks fan. I, I know he is. I know he is. I know he is. But he also had his roots in Philly too. So I, I, I think that he, he, because he is a Knicks fan, I, I think that he has a specific sensitivity toward it. But I think his real argument is with Dolan and the way Dolan just totally destroyed this organization for 20 years. I mean, the Knicks haven't been a factor since the millennium started. You know, since Van Gundy, uh, you know, quit in December of 2001. So I, I think that's where the 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 irritation comes in because they've had these chances to have these free agents, you know, when LeBron was, you know, 2010 and nobody seems to come. But I think what you and I talked about before the season started was the way you build a team right now, the Knicks are going about it the right way. Finally, they're going about it the right way. So there's a lot to look forward to. And I think as that changes, you're going to see if the Knicks wind up in the playoffs this year, they're going to get a lot more attention. And the Garden, you remember what it was like when the Garden was the place to be in the 90s when everybody wanted to play there? Okay? Like, that, that's going to happen again. Are you saying the Knicks are going to the playoffs, Mark? No, I, I'm not. I'm okay. saying if they do make the playoffs. I'm saying that the way they built their team this year, you're going to see them be a lot more competitive and a lot better because they're deep everywhere and because they, they can put out a team like the Clippers do. The Clippers have... Yeah, they, they hit you in waves. They throw in uh, you know, five guys and then another five guys. The Knicks can easily do that. There's, yeah. not, there's not that big a difference not in the talent same. from one to ten. Right, Errol? Uh, right, Errol? I, I think that what the Knicks are doing is a smart thing right now. I think they're building around a nucleus of players, which you need to do. Golden State did it, and that's why Golden State has become a destination for mm-hmm. players to come and play and try to win championships. We saw we saw over Atlanta the years too. what Cleveland did building around LeBron James. Mm-hmm. We saw what Miami did with Dwayne Wade building around the nucleus of players that they did and bringing in Shaquille O'Neal to help them win. Yep. You watch all these teams. Even even watch last night, you watch the Rockets play. Right. The Rockets play, they had James Harden. They brought James Harden. Right, now I they saw brought, that. Uh, they brought um, PJ Tucker. Russell Westbrook there. Yeah, right. and, and, and Russell Westbrook... You know, James Harden did not have one of his best games. And no, I didn't. believe that when these guys yeah. figure each other out together, they're going to be a hard duo to beat in the backcourt because both players can handle the ball, both players can shoot the ball, and both players can take over the game with the ball. I think that when you look at the NBA as a whole, it's a superstar-driven league. It's not about, well, you got the best quarterback, so you're going to win. That doesn't happen. In football, you need an all-around good team. You need a good defense. You need a good offensive line. You need a good running back. You need a good team, all-around team, to win a championship. In baseball, it I believe is probably the most single sport. I mean, I, I look at it as you, you don't need you don't need the best player to win. You don't because you know, we know Mike Trout's the best player in the world, mm-hmm. and Mike Trout never gets into the playoffs. He hasn't been in the playoffs since his first, I think, first season of his, you know, in existence in the yep. uh, in He's the never, never won a playoff ever. game. They were swept. Yeah, they were won by the Royals, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, look, I look at baseball. It's not, it, 
to me, it's 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 not a team sport, but it's a team driven sport mm-hmm. where you need a great pitcher and you have a couple of good guys in the middle of your lineup. You can win a game. And a bullpen. See basketball. Basketball. If you have two of the top ten players in the NBA, you have a chance to win every year. And to me, I think that's the problem with the NBA right now. And I think the NBA has to figure out how to fix this. I believe, and I think the NBA needs to look at this, there has to be a round robin. All the bad teams that don't make the playoffs out of the 16 teams, they should make a round robin. And all the bad teams, whoever wins the round robin game, I guess the the competition or whatever, uh, what kind of like a March Madness, all right? I believe that whoever wins that wins the number one pick. No more of this lottery crap because I, I, teams are trying to and – and I'll tell you this. I believe, even though I like R.J. Barrett, I believe the Knicks got screwed last year in, in the draft, in the lottery. Okay? I've seen this over and over and over again. Maybe it worked out for the Knicks because R.J. Barrett could turn out to be the best player in, in that draft. And he could very well, very well be. And Zion Williamson can't stay on the court. He's out for eight weeks. This guy's got knee problems already, right. meniscus. I don't know how good Zion's going to be or how dominant he's going to be. And John Moran, again, he's, he's a guy that is skinny. He's got to put some weight on, and he's got to change his body tone. But RJ's got the perfect body for the NBA. But mm-hmm. RJ's in New York. The Knicks don't even know who their point guard is. I mean, look how many point guards they have on that team. That's part it of the problem, right, Errol? That's all part of the problem. Yeah, yeah but I, I it think it, 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 it'll work. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. hear you guys' thoughts to that. Okay. Errol, we Thanks, appreciate Errol. the call. If you want to give us a call, one 909 That's one 909 Whether you want to talk about Stephen A. Smith and your frustration with what he says, <laughs> playing right into the trap of what he wants. Well, I... I I mean, how much time we got before we go to break? Uh, you can go to break yeah. whenever. It's 9.31. I mean, okay. You, you can break. keep going. We'll, we'll wrap hey, up here with the on. Knicks. Do what you want. Okay, all right. We'll so respond look, to what Errol said. Look, with, with, with the Knicks, okay, they got Mar- Marcus Morris, Barrett, Randall, all those guys. Those guys played over 35 minutes the other night. They each scored over 20 points per game. Uh, the guy they got from Dallas, Dennis Smith, he, he, he had no role the other night. He scored two points. So they are deep from top to bottom. They have, uh, they have 10 guys they could put out on court that there's really no difference in the type of game they can play. Well, that's, uh, yes. I'll, I'll, yes, I'll agree with you there, yes. All right, One so through they ten, depth. they have ten guys that they can, and the talent level doesn't drop off. Now, part right. of the problem is the talent level's not high to where well, they're, like, but again, they have the, a bunch of role players and journeymen. Yes. Well, journeymen, it's kind of hard. I mean, there's the, the only guy, the oldest guy is Morris at 30. Everybody, well, He's bounced me. around. Excuse me. Be, uh, yeah, Todd, Todd Gibson's 34. Yes. And, and another what, guy who's been, who's been around, you know, different places. Yeah. But and Wayne as Ellington's Errol said, with the point yeah. composition, they have, what, four guys that they don't know how to play with? Frank Nilakina, Dennis Smith Jr., Alfred Payton. Like, they're putting these guys out there. Outside of Peyton, no one's been stepping up. They even put R.J. Barrett. They started R.J. Barrett at point guard. That's just how uncertain they are at that position. It did not work out. The only person who actually played well was Peyton. And again, like you said, you have Dennis Smith Jr. guy. Like they are a young team. They're a mm-hmm. core team, still growing. But their issue is again, like you said, they have depth. Or even that like Kevin Knox is coming off the bench, a right. guy that I do think could gain another jump this year. Right. I'm excited to see how he develops. But the issue is, they're they aren't talented enough to where that drop-off is significant from the bench. You know, I mean, you compare them to the Clippers, 
with the well, depth the, they have yeah. running out the one depth. through ten. Right. Yeah. Like, they can run out ten guys where the talent level doesn't drop off too much, and not a lot of teams could say that. But, again, when you look at the Knicks, their issue is whether their talent is not high or good enough to where there would be a drop-off from the starters to the bench guys. Well, I, I, I think that that's going to develop. I think you're going to see guys that are going to uh, grow into that role. I think Barrett can grow into that role. I think that Dennis Smith can grow into that role. I mean, it, it's a little frustrating when you see – Porzingis, like, and how good he is with uh, with Donix. Yeah, I know uh, that. And did you see the other night he scored what thirty four points against Washington, and they're scre- they're chanting MVP as he's at the foul line. What else is new? You right. know, fan nothing fans Luka love Donich. more than a nice MVP champ. But yeah, Luka Doncic and Kristaps, yeah, right. I think combined for fifty seven points. Yeah. Uh, except in their win against the and Wizards, so so far unique. so good. He's really unique, Kristaps. Uh, like Remember he, when you see her in New York, they called him the unicorn because yeah. he was just he had such a Unique skill level, like you said, that seven hasn't three. been seen. Yeah, seven foot three can block shots, can hit threes. Can, okay, like I, athletic. I felt, yeah, I, I felt like that trading him was was like this is a guy that really stands out as could be uh, the the second coming of what the NBA is turning into, which is players like this. Yep. Which is you see with the Greek freak, you get to see with Zion Williamson if he ever learns to. Uh, to get a better body for the NBA because it's so you know he's so freak, freakishly athletic that he puts a lot of pounding on his knees, which is why he's had the, the uh, issues he's had. Uh, but th- these are the this is what the NBA is kind of turning into these freak kind of athletes. He's, it first started with Curry with his ridiculous ability to hit shots from everywhere. Trey Young was like that with Atlanta. You see some of the shots he hit the other night? He hit one almost on the logo. I think it was last night. It's, yeah, he, yeah, he is a clone of Steph Curry, if you want to say. Yeah, and, and Atlanta, in terms of style. Atlanta is, is, in that, is growing into that role of Cleveland, and that's the way you kind of build the organizations. And I, I think the Knicks, the way they've, they, they don't have any real bad contracts on this roster at, at all. Uh, I think the way they're going to compete, I, I like the coach. I think Fisdale is probably the best guy for, for this situation. He, you know, he's won with, with Miami. He kind of... He learned under um, under the Pat Riley uh, level, Stan Van Gundy level of coaching. So I think that you know and Jeff Van Gundy too. Uh, it, it, I I think that that's ultimately the, you still need to play a defensive game, and you know scoring 141 points like the Clippers did last night. That's nice, but usually that doesn't. That's not the way playoff basketball evolves. At least it, it wasn't. Maybe now it's a little different when you have teams like. I believe the, the Bucks and the Rockets shot like 96 combined threes last night. It's freaking ridiculous. Yes, well, that's the um, new wave of the, yeah. uh, the NBA there. Um, but if you're not making those shots, then you're not going to win. So I, I, I think that um, the Knicks will be better, and you'll see them develop more because they have the ability to consistently put guys, like I said, there's no difference from anybody there on the court. So they're not going to have, oh, this team is, is going to be weak at this point. You can be good throughout the whole game and win without being great and average. Yeah, no, I said so. I, I, I their offseason was smart. Like I said, Julius Randle will leave was the longest contract they gave at three years. So, like I said, they're all short mm-hmm. contracts, not bad contracts, and just trying to develop the youth they have around them. Yeah. Um, and like I said, for the first time in a while, it seems to have an identity and more importantly, a plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of, and, which is right, and I think these guys are going to develop. Randall is a guy that you know, Errol said it, and that, that I like too. He's going to develop into a guy that's going to be, become one of those guys that can take over at the end of the game. Same thing with Barrett. Uh, Dennis Smith has that ability, I believe. Um, you know, uh, then they have guys that are role players like uh, the uh, Nicolina. 
Frank Nilakina, yeah. Yeah, Nilakina. Okay. If he can get on the court and be productive. Well, yeah, but a whole another issue. But we 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 described how his body type is is freakish. I mean, he has these long arms. He he is great at 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 defense. You put him on the court, and you just see it. You know, go go get him, boy. You know, he'll wind up with you know four or five steals. Right. Um, You know. his well, issue was consistency on the offensive end. Yeah, which, and, right. You know, we'll but see Ma- if he can grow Marcus into that. Morris is thirty. He's kind of he's learned already like how to play this game. He's been around for a while, so he has that the leadership to be able to do that. And I think he just needs a chance to be able to be a guy. I mean, he scored twenty five the other night against uh, the Spurs, and the Spurs are always good. So you know, losing on a road ten points to the Spurs in game one isn't that bad. We'll see how they are when they they play tonight. Who they play tonight? The Nets. The Nets. They play the Nets tonight? Yeah, okay. So, yeah, that'll be a nice like uh, said, benchmark game. You see, you see um, uh, Kyrie. Kyrie. Kyrie's 50 the other night, and they, and they lost, though, to the, to the Timberwolves, who most people would probably say weren't going to be much. No, yes. No, losing at home to the Timberwolves was not a good sign. No. Like you said, it's encouraging with Kyrie dropping 50, but like you said, right, it was almost a one-man show at times, and it's a little concerning that no one else was at least able to step up uh, so, yeah, that would be fun one tight in the Tri-State area. Knicks at the Nets. We'll see if the Knicks can be competitive this year, which I'm, I'm with you, Mark. I think they will. So mm-hmm. I think 30 wins should be the barometer and kind of the benchmark. They can get there, I show some so. progress. And like I said, it's all about development. But the young the, guys can develop. It'll be a successful season no matter what the, win, the wins are. Yeah, R.J. I mean, Barrett can show you something. Frank Nielkina maybe take another step. Kevin Knox yeah, in his Kevin second Knox, year. Right. You know, take a step, let's grow, maybe, you know. Mitchell Robinson is, was hurt the other night. Right. He's a big part of the future. Okay. Oh, he's another exciting yeah, piece. I'm yeah. so excited to see how he plays. The other thing is is that I, I, I don't care how good the Nets get. I, I don't care what they do. They will never be the Knicks. They will never have the fan base the Knicks have. Oh, never. That's right. Okay, like, I'm glad they're in Brooklyn. I think they're still better off in Brooklyn than they were in New Jersey. They, they, they were in New Jersey for how long? And I, I know some, I have some friends that, are really, that were really good big Net fans. Uh, there, there are not that many though. I remember the first time I met a guy who was a Nets fan. I thought he was joking. I never met a, met a, a Nets fan, a, a real avid Nets fan, until I got into college. Okay, and then when I worked at ESPN, a, a friend of mine was a huge Nets fan. So I, I, I think that their their base is getting the fan base is getting a little bit bigger. And I, I, I love Kenny Atkinson. He's a he's a very good coach that seemed to, to get a lot out of the talent they had last year. Uh, and we'll see how he does this year. But I think as far as the market, New York is a Knicks city. It always will be. They, can, they can develop in Brooklyn, kind of like the Islanders. The Islanders have Long Island, uh, even though there are a lot of Ranger fans on Long Island. Yeah, the, a lot. The, 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 the Nets can grow in Brooklyn where they could bring fans that are coming up that, that didn't watch basketball, you know, um, you know that, or that are, you know, Five, six now that are kind of will grow up at the Nets in that area. I think they can they can get those right. fans. Well, that's where I think the Nets can capture the market, like, exactly. especially now with the kids younger generation being fans of players more than teams. Right, especially when KD comes back next year. If the Knicks continue to struggle, don't get out of the hole they're in. Like I said, the younger generation I think will gravitate more towards the Nets because they'll be that shiny team, that fun team. When you have two superstars that are playing well next year, mm-hmm. like I said, but the Knicks for at least right now have a blueprint, seem to be doing the right thing. Now it's just about developing their young players and then starting to attract bigger stars right. once you have a nice core built. Sort of what the Clippers are doing now. They built a nice mm-hmm. young core, then got two superstars come in. And, and here you go with the Knicks. Like, they've been bad for 20 years. Almost I mean, my I, entire lifetime. Yeah, outside of the two years that they had, well, it was really one year that they won a division 
Uh, right, made like to the JR second Smith round of the and, playoffs, yeah. Carmelo. Right, but other than that, and they got, I believe it was swept by the Heat or uh, no. lost five games. I well, no, that, yeah, that year they beat the Celtics in the first round, and then they lost to the Pacers in the second round. Yeah, uh, they, had, they had been swept by the Heat, I think, twice before. I think you're three right. Three years before. With the big three uh, era. But. Yeah, uh, that's when they, they traded for Carmelo, and they had Stoudemire, who wasn't fully healthy anymore. Because when Stoudemire first came, remember he had like a – like a string, like 10 straight 30-point games or something that first year. He was great. Yeah, yeah he was absolutely great. Um, in and he was freaky, too. When it, when, before he hurt his knee, remember how athletic that guy was? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, NBA that, is getting more and more athletic no matter what, the, what position is. People forgot. They won 60 games with him in, in, uh, in Phoenix, with him and Steve Nash and, yep. and, and D'Antoni's sister. That's where D'Antoni became popular. Mm-hmm. Helped Steve Nash win back-to-back MVPs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the, the future of basketball leagues in New York is bright. We'll see again. It's all about development. Um, but we take a break, come back. Nationals up 2-0 in the World Series. Game 3 tonight. Can the Astros salvage Game 3, salvage the series? We'll talk about that. The Morning Boys. Ryan Hickey, Mark Everkelly, Austin Todd, I'm with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to the Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Yeah, what song? Uh, put me in coach. Hey guys, finally hey, talk John about baseball. Fogarty? I love John. My first ever concert I ever went to, I was six. Ah, it's CCR. Yeah, I love him. I love him. He's very water. It's a library. Let me notice that. Uh, we'll get copyrighted. I played too long. It is the Morning Boys, Ryan Hickey, Mark Everkelly, Austin Tidebaum with you. Thanks so much for listening. Wherever you are, Worldwide Sports Radio, uh, WorldwideSportsRadio.com. We are on Twitter, Periscope, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter handle WWSRN underscore radio. If you want to watch us there live, the uh, video feed is on our Twitter feed. At Ryan underscore Hickey 3 is my Twitter. Mark at CK Magic Sports. You can give us a call, 1-877-909-9977. We had Lou and Errol so far. You want to join in the mix? 1-877-909-9977. Oh, wait. Don't we also have a Twitter for the company, too? Yes. WWSRN underscore radio. That has, if you want to watch us there, that is the live stream of the show on Twitter. If you want to catch us there. Periscope. Errol got on me yesterday. So we, we, we never send that stuff. On follow the follow the sports uh, worldwide sports radio Twitter handle again. You can see all the video um, of the show, every show, not just ours. The Haystack who follows us, third and long. Um, Errol does a few shows behind the uh, below the mic. Excuse me. A ton of great content here on Worldwide Sports Radio. Um, so definitely follow that if you want to get all your fixings from uh, all the good shows that we have on this network. But all the fixings. As Austin led us in with Put Me In Coach, talk a little baseball, Mark. Game yeah. three of the World Series is tonight. Our last show was Tuesday. We previewed the World Series. We both had the Astros winning. Um, I believe you said five. I said six. Yeah, right. Austin conveniently now is saying that he had the Nationals the in a sweep. The only reason why I said that is because they just beat the Yankees, and I didn't care. <laughs> there's, no ba- there's no facts or bases. I just said they're going to sweep them just because. So, so far, at least Austin's prediction looking good. The Nationals so. are up 2 nothing, Heading to Washington after really the unprobable feat of beating Garrett Cole, who hasn't lost a game mm-hmm. since May 22nd, beat him in game one. Justin Verlander beat him in game two. The two AL Cy Young finalists yep. at home beating them games one and two. Are you so far more impressed, Mark, by the Nationals, what they've been doing in their two games, or yeah. more, I guess, concerned about 
No. Really, the sloppiness of the Astros, because especially in Game 2, it has been sloppy on their end. Well, I, I think we talked about this before, okay? So the Astros now, they lost the first two games at home. And going back, it just is a, uh, only three other teams have lost the first two games at home and won the World Series. I, I remember it, the 85 Royals. They were the first team to do it. Um, and the way they lost Game 2 at home is they blew a, uh, a two-run lead in the ninth inning. So going, going into St. Louis for Game 3, uh, you felt, oh, geez, this team is done. And then um, I believe it was Saberhagen, Brett Saberhagen, pitched Game 3, and they won. And then Danny Jackson saved them in Game 5. Then he had Game 6 with Charlie Liebrandt throwing a great game. And then uh, <clears throat> the Royals scoring two runs in the bottom of the ninth inning off Todd Worrell off that bad call, the Don Denkinger bad call uh, with Jorge Orta. They you know, put the, the tying run on base. That it's still one of the most disputed calls in Major League Baseball history. Uh, and then in Game 7, they blew him out. Uh, 11-0. Saberhagen threw a complete game shutout. Um, I remember Dow Motley hitting a home run in the second inning off John Tudor, who then went in and punched the fan and, and slid his finger. Yeah. And nice. Tudor, yeah, Tudor was a good pitcher. But Okay, then the next year, 86, the Mets lose the first two games to Boston, and it was kind of the same thing. They lose a tight game one where Ron Darling lost one nothing to Bruce Hurst on Tim Tuffle's error, and then game two, Doc Gooden got the snot kicked out of him uh, by the Red Sox. And, and Roger Clements won. And so the Red Sox took a 2 nothing lead off of a Met team that was just as dominant. They won 108 games during the regular season, struggled in the ALCS, wound up winning in six games like the Astros did. And it was against the Astros that they beat yep. in, in, in 86. Um, so I've seen times when the, when the team you expect that's supposed to dominate and even pitching-wise has the advantage doesn't. In, in 96, the Yankees lost the first two games at home, and they got dominated. I remember um, Andrew Jones hitting two homers off of, I think, one off of Pettit and one off of Brian Bollinger um, in an 11-0 win or something in game one of that series. And then uh, Smoltz started that game, and then Maddox in game two, totally irritating the Yankees. They had, like, maybe 10 ground ball pitcher outs, ground balls back to Maddox. Um, so... And the Yankees going into game three down in Atlanta had to face Tom Glavin. And, you know, they had David Cohn on the mound, but still, okay. Now, now the, so the, the Astros, there's precedent for this, all right? The Yankees won in six games. They won the next four games, all three in Atlanta, with that great game five uh, with Smoltz against Pettit. Smoltz said it's the best game he ever pitched, you know, and that includes his game seven classic against Jack Morris in 91. So, they came back, Yankees won in six games, okay? Um, the Mets wound up winning seven games. Obviously, yep. they had a game, great game six where they came back, and they were down to their last strike. And the, and the Royals, I told you how they won in seven games. So there's precedent for that being done. Now, the, everything falls on Granke, who has been a underachieved. So let's just put it that way, in a postseason. So this is his time to step up, just like it was for Bob O'Hayden in game three for the Mets when they went into Boston, okay? Did she just give us a thumbs up? She did. He's yeah, got a, the thumbs up. He got the thumbs up? Okay. The thumbs up, yeah. That's pretty good. Okay. Well, anyway, um, so I, I, I think the Nationals have surprised me because there wasn't this consistency during the regular season. Offensively, now, I think that everyone can say that you said uh, Trout is one of the best players, probably the best player in Major League Baseball. Juan Soto has proven himself as like a – I mean – we knew he was good during the regular season. This is his second year now. He's only 20. I think he turns 21 today. Okay, I think it's his birthday today. Happy birthday. Um, so, and, and he has carried them almost. In game one, he 
put them on his back and he led them to victory in game one. He struggled in the ALCS, uh, the NLCS a little bit, but then you had guys like Anthony Rendon pick, pick up uh, the pace yep. in the ALCS and gave 429. Uh, and their bullpen has been able to get out. They've been able to use their starters. They've been able to uh, mix and match, which they weren't able to do during the regular season. That's what I thought their biggest weakness would be. And that's what it was during the regular season. Strasburg has been who he's always been in a postseason, which is very good. Yep. Uh, Scherzer gutted it out like 112 pitches through five innings. And then, you know, they, they, they have been able to piece it together until uh, they get to the ninth inning. And Doolittle's been a lot better. He noticed that the Yankees pitchers were uh, attacking the Astros right away. And that's what he starts to do. And uh, he's been effective this series. So... Uh, we'll see. If the series isn't over yet, the Astros can still come and make this a series. They have the advantage, I would say, tonight, mm-hmm. but they have the advantage in the first two games. Look, if you lose with Verlander and Cole, I mean, like I said, it was like the Mets in 88 when they beat Hershiser, who you know, had set the record for most consecutive innings pitched without allowing a run at like 59 and two-thirds in 88. The Mets beat him in game one and game three of that NLCS, and they still lost the series. Right. So you can beat the best pitchers, and these other guys can step up. So we'll see. I, I, I think the Astros have the ability. I think the Astros' bats have been absolutely dormant this whole— even against the Yankees, they were they, totally asleep. What are the Astros hitting this series? Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I can tell you it's not good. It is not good scoring <clears throat> four runs in the first game and then just two runs. I mean— just an absolute blowout there by the Nationals. Astros hitting 257. So not good. Doesn't know it. Never mind. You guys oh, don't know this song. Wait, what, what is that? What it's is the, it? Come on, you know it. Is that the Twilight song? Oh, okay. Is it the, the natural? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, where he hits the cover off the ball? Yeah, it's the best ever, ever. Roy Hobbs? Roy Hobbs, man. The New York Knights. Yeah, the New York Knights. I like it when you know, the two old guys are sitting into the garden and they're, they're singing songs to each other. Yeah. Yeah. Wilford Brimley, I believe, was one of those guys. Wilford Brimley was one of those guys who was, like, in every movie. Yeah. Like a Gene Hackman. He gets paid. Yeah. Got to put food on the table, gets you know? Paid. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, the Nationals have been – I guess that's the most impo- impressive part because they have been getting it done with just Soto and Rendon for a while in the playoffs, and now everyone's sitting here. Kirk Suzuki has the go-ahead. Basically, yeah, the game-winning home run in game two off of Suzuki's Justin the Verlander. That, that, that hit the homer off of uh, – the Mets in that six-run ninth-inning yeah, comeback, yep. That disaster. Yeah. What a disaster. You have Adam Eaton getting some clutch hits. Like, they're getting hits up yeah. and down the line. Eaton's Trey a good Turner, ball player. He is. Trey, Turner, Trey Turner's, Trey a good Turner's ball getting player. on base, you know, giving the Astros pitchers fits when he's on the, on the base pass. And that's just, I guess, the frustrating part is because even, it's funny, we had Mark Simon on Sports Info Solutions on Tuesday. He wrote a great article heading into the World Series about the defensive run saved by the Astros, how good their defense has been. They have the most defensive run saved. I believe it was 89 off the top of my head. I could be wrong. In the American League. And then you go to game two, you watch Alex Bregman having a tough time in the sixth inning there, throwing some balls away. When the seventh inning, uh, having one error that just prolongs the inning, the defense let down the Astros and Justin Verlander in game two. Um, Could have got it out of the inning earlier, didn't. And then you see the Nationals capitalize. And that's the biggest thing, too capitalized on the mistake of your opponent. The Nationals, so far through two games, have been able to do that. And impressively as well, like I said, their biggest weakness is their bullpen. That's why I picked the Astros partly, um, because I figured it hasn't really come to a head yet. So far in the postseason, they've been able to skate by, basically by using four pitchers, would you say, the three aces that they have in uh, Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Mm -hmm. 
And Annabelle Sanchez, again, Sean Doolittle and Daniel Hudson kind of sprinkled in there as well. But for the most part, they've been using the same guys. And now you see they brought Corbin in out of the bullpen. Um, and it's been working so far. Mm-hmm. And so they are doing a great job at least minimizing their weaknesses and taking advantage of the Astros' mistakes. And that's probably why they're up 2 nothing so far. You know who's killed the Astros so far in, in, the, in the postseason? He's killed them in the LCS and he's killing them in the World Series. Is, uh, Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez, right. Four, the four for 31 in his last nine postseason games. Uh, 15 strikeouts, no RBIs. And the very impressive up. rookie. You said burst on the scene, and yeah, especially and in that Yankee series. I think it was like one for 22. One for 22. And, and 12 he's, strikeouts. He, he's always up with guys on base. 15 strikeouts in his last 31 at-bats. And I, I don't have his numbers on his scoring position. It doesn't break, break it down that way. But, I mean, every time I see this guy up in a big spot, he strikes out. And this guy, he's the future for the Astros. And he, they put him in a big spot in that lineup. Look, Bregman hasn't been great. Okay. Um, Springer, you, you look at all the attention he got in game one because he pulled a, uh, an Acuna where he yep. didn't run out of the – you know, he's leaping down the first – too many guys do that anyway. But that just goes to the point of, uh, of the ball. Something's different with the ball because that ball's gone in the, post, in the regular season. That, but I mean, again, to me, there's no excuse. In no, absolutely, you should, absolutely. In the playoffs, you should, absolutely. especially in the World Series. Where yeah. And, like you and said, that every run counts, every little play counts. Yeah, Those he didn't. He, he didn't get. He didn't get grilled enough for that. I mean, they, they come down on Acuna for that. They should have came down on him. for Totally that. agree. Because it's the same thing. I mean, totally I, agree. I, I, I don't care if Acuna is more of a dog, a hot dog, than Springer doesn't normally do that. You you cannot do that. You have to bust your butt coming out of the. There's no celebrating down the first baseline because I mean, what what are you gonna look better when you you know? I, I don't know why white guys do that. You don't have that style every time you hit the ball. You no, know? that's just, you know, I, I can't explain other than, you know, it's the MLB is encouraging players to show themselves. They keep saying, let the boys play, let the kids let play. Let the boys be boys. So, Ricky Henderson, I think, was the first guy that I really noticed would do that. Henderson used to, you know, like, you know, got to li- listen, yeah, look good, play good, you know. He had style, man. He used to steal a base and dance on the base path. He did have style. Well, H- R- Ricky was one of my favorite players. R- Ricky going to be Ricky, as you would say. Uh, Ricky going to be Ricky. Ricky going to be Ricky. I, I, uh, Harold Reynolds, when I worked with him, ESPN had a great uh, Ricky Henderson story. He said nobody, first of all, nobody really styled talking about themselves in third person like like Ricky. It Henderson was him, did. Muhammad Ali. It's took cues from Muhammad Ali. Yeah, uh, you know, Ricky. He, he would say Ricky's tied. And before the All Star game, Harold Reynolds was playing with him. It was I think it was the '87 All Star game, and so he goes, "Ricky tired. Ricky going to take a nap." And he laid down right there in in the. In the middle of the locker room where you have all this press and everything, and he laid down right on, that t- on the, um, the trainer's table and fell asleep. And they said, you know, uh, Reynolds was like, i never seen anything like this. Like, he, he could just shut off. There was all these people around him, and he just fell asleep. Those trainer's tables are really, like, really nice. They yeah. are comfortable. Yeah, but this was, uh, again, back in the mid-'80s, so it was maybe a little uh, bit different. But yeah. Um, good. But uh, it's funny because Henderson – was he led the American League in stolen bases all those years. The one guy who, set, who, who broke his streak was Harold Reynolds. Uh, Harold Reynolds was a pretty good ball player. The guy was uh, on MLB Network. Um, uh, and I, I worked with him at ESPN, a great guy. Um, but he was a guy that uh, – do you ever hear the story about him and, and Bo Jackson? Where Bo Jackson, when he, made Bo Jackson. That, when he made that freak throw from yeah, the left-hand he, he corner. Threw him out. Mm-hmm. And, and Harold Reynolds was the guy on first base. And Reynolds was yeah, fast, like I said. He led the league in stolen bases, 60 in 1987. And I, bl- I forget it was who hit the ball, but he hit it into the corner. And Reynolds is telling the story. He's like, and I'm booking it, coming around third base. He goes, and I'm thinking, there's no way 
There's no way that he's coming anywhere near throwing me out. He goes, and then I'm running home, and I see the guy in the on-deck circle doing this, saying, get down. He goes, you know, and I'm thinking, what, is he joking? Why would he, why would he do this? He goes, and then the ball comes home, and he threw him out. And, and if you saw the freak throw that Bo Jackson made from the left field corner all the way to home plate, just barely got him, and Reynolds, you see, slams his helmet down, and he's like, what in the world was that? And then the next day, they said he's out there on the field, and he, and he jumps on Bo Jackson's back, and he says, how the heck did you throw me out? And so Bo Jackson looks at me, and he, he had a little bit of a stuttering problem when he was younger. Yeah, he's that's like, why he, he became a baseball player. Yeah, he's like, you, 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 you don't run on this now. <laughs> and, you know, and so I, I thought that was a great story. That's uh, why he became so strong, because uh, when he was younger, people used to make fun of his stuttering, and they threw apples at him. So yeah, imagine that. Yeah, got good at throwing apples. So he be, uh, was, it like, was, was it like a, a Forrest Gump type thing? Yeah, well, no, it was just a, like a... Like, I even said, like, just like a stuttering, like... Yeah, run Forrest, you know, yeah, like, yeah, run, yeah, run, like, Bo. Yeah, yeah. Like he used to throw, and then... The same thing with Muhammad Ali. Someone stole his bike and beat him up, and that's the reason why he became a boxer. So, moral of the story, get beat up by people. Yeah, for go, real. Oh, be somebody. Now you'll be a freak athlete and one we'll talk about I'm for, greatest, for yeah. generations to come. I love Muhammad Ali's favorite line. It was like, I'm so fast, uh, I turn off the light, and before they go out, I'm in bed. Yeah. yeah. Great, a great showman for sure. Um, so, game three tonight, I think Zach Ranke going against Anibal mm-hmm. Sanchez. The last time we saw Sanchez, throwing a no-hitter yeah. into the eighth inning uh, in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. He's had a lot, a while though between starts. So yes, I mean maybe was that two weeks ago? Rust. Yeah, maybe they'll have a little bit of rust on him. But uh, the Astros got to start hitting, and they got to yep. start hitting with guys on base. They have not hit with guys on base. I, I don't have the numbers. I think it's one twenty-seven they're hitting. Um, I think Mark Teixeira said that on you know baseball tonight for the for the postseason with runners in scoring position. And this was a team that 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 scored runs all year. They scored what over nine hundred runs during the regular season. So. You know they can do it. Right. It's, and and it's certainly, when you get past a certain point with the Nationals, they, they're not going to throw guys out at you like Scherzer or, or Strasburg. You've seen them now. Sanchez is very hittable. Okay. Uh, so the Astros need to go out, and they, they need to show why they won over, a hun- what, 107 games? Yeah. No, you know? you're okay. absolutely right. Backs and, against the wall. And I, I think that and, and their bullpen, too, has taken a beating. The, the Nationals have done exactly what the Astros do what the Yankees did during the regular season, what teams like the Royals did in the postseason, which was like beat, which was beat up on the bullpen. Make contact, have guys that don't strike out, have guys that have long at-bats that extend the pitchers, make them throw more pitches. Uh, guys like Eaton, Trey Turner, Soto, uh, uh, Rendon, they're great at that. So um, that's why they've won the first two games. 100% right. I said they've been getting that uh, pitch count up for both Cole and Verlander. And like I said, partly a big reason why they're up 2 nothing in the series. Um, do the Astros get the win tonight? Or, I mean, this uh, is a I, must I ain't going to make any predictions. No? I mean, I was wrong. I was wrong there. I said they're winning five games. So my, my, my prediction is being squat. Astros are going to get killed today. I'm going to say they win. This is a veteran team who's been there before. I mean, this is as must-win as a must-win as you can have. Like I said, their bats have to wake up. Um, the layoff for long, the long layoff for Anibal Sanchez, I think, helps them. And two, there's really no security blanket in the bullpen unless you want to bring Max Scherzer back out because you got to think mm-hmm. Sir, uh, Strasburg just pitched. Mm-hmm. Looks like they'll yeah. pitch Patrick Corbin for game four. Mm-hmm. So there is not the security blanket in the bullpen that you had in games one and two. Again, He's unless they want to bring. Eyes, that guy. Unless you want to bring you uh, Max He's Scherzer. Two different eyes. Cat Max eyes. Scherzer. Have you seen it? Who? One brown and one light blue. So it's Max Scherzer. So really? it's really, like, really noticeable. Some people have two, two different colored eyes, but he has the 
one like almost white and one really dark brown. I didn't notice that. Yeah. But then again, they don't, they don't, they don't want they don't, don't want to zoom in. That's why. Um, yeah, it's funny. There, there was a you, you know how everyone loves the Geico commercials now, like these ridiculous Geico commercials. Yeah. There was a Geico commercial back in the day. We're talking like 2004. Uh, Stan Verrett, who's a um, uh, anchor at ESPN, works with Neil Everett, does the overnight sports center in L.A. Uh, him and I used to joke about this commercial. It was a Geico commercial where. Uh, the guys are criticizing each other, and he's looking at him, and he's like, you know what you're giving me? You're giving me. And he whistles, and he does a zero sign. I think that's what we've seen from the Astros. Right. Yeah, absolutely, from the, especially from the bats, given absolutely nothing so far. So we'll see if they can bounce back tonight. I do think they will. But essentially, as must-win of a must-win you can have for the Astros, down to nothing, going to Washington. I'm sure that place will be jumping today. Um, so we'll see how that happens. We'll be back on Tuesday. Either we'll have a, a World Series sweep or possibly – the series will continue. Hey, there you go. There, there's Kellerman on there. Who's better looking? You were Kellerman. Come on. Who's better looking? Austin or, or Kellerman? Me. Obviously me. Look, well, he's got yeah, makeup on too. I, I know you are, but I'm, 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 I mean, come on. Can, are, are we, 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 we've got it all over those guys, don't we? Yeah, we, they just have a studio and that's it. They just have a studio and like a million f- listeners. Yeah, but no one really, people just put that on. People listen to us. They just yeah. put that on just some background noise. <laughs> and they, they don't open to Al Green either. No, so no, no. <laughs> That is also very true. No one else can have that claim except us. Yeah. As you were listening to The Morning Boys, Ryan Hickey, Mark Everett Kelly, Austin Tadabon with you. When we come back, it's happened two weeks in a row. What happened to your team? We'll talk about that, some college football, and some NFL picks as well. The Morning Boys right here on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're listening to The Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. No Friday sing-along here. You all ready now? Respect the hu- not even the hustle, just the dedication. Like a butt, like a, oh like an ass. Like an you ass. went all in, and <clears throat> I'll be honest, I that was great. There you go. That See, that's we had to make it funny. That's hilarious. Like, yeah, that was hilarious. I, I tell you, I don't mind look like an ass. You can, you can hit those high notes. It's no, I can't. Not, not yeah, even. you crushed that one. Yeah, you hear that? What he went? What are you talking all about? All right. But then my voice cracked. Yeah, you crushed right. it. You're still, yeah. you're still the young. first edition, I think the Friday I, I, sing-along went, went, and I don't, went pretty I, well. Would you I say, do, Austin? Yeah, I, do, I say it went really, really, I do, really well. I do not sing in falsetto. <laughs> it's the I, funniest I thing ever. You crushed that. 
Yeah. Maybe right. next time we'll go like the instrumental version, then you can really, yeah. like, yeah. really the hit the high yeah. notes. So we get Tom out of there and we just listen to Mark. Okay, yeah. And I mean, no, also it could be like your backups, so, like, you know, just yeah. a little background here and there. But yeah. Tom Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> we, 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 okay. If anybody it, wants to make a song request for him to yeah. sing <laughs> next Friday, call <laughs> all in. Yeah. And, it'll uh, be like, uh, it'll be like, uh, like Diana Ross and the Supremes. You guys could be the, the backups. Be the Perfect. No one knows. Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. Me and Austin could be two seasons. We're the two seasons. Two and a half. Yeah, Mark Everett and the two seasons. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> if you anyway. do want to give us a call, 1-877-909-9977. Song requests, <laughs> any sports you want to talk about. Rem- remember the show Family Ties? Yeah, I do. Okay, so I love Michael Keaton uh, on that show. I- I- well, Alex Keaton, okay? Um, it's a instrumental for you just so you can talk. Keep on talking. No, 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 no more. Okay. Right. But anyway, Alex One and Keaton. done. One and done. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no more. No more. It's, it's sing-along's done. Uh, Alex Keaton, uh, you know, Michael J. Fox on that show was a great character. Well, I remember one time uh, he was talking to somebody, and uh, I think it was Skippy, okay? And Skippy says, you know, Alex, you're a guy. And he's like, wait a minute. He goes, I, I would like to think of myself as more of a guy than a guy. I'm like <laughs> a guy and a half. I think that's what we could say for you guys. You're more than just guys. You're right like guys and a half. Guys wow. and a half. Thank you for the kind words, Mark. All go. I say is that I do control the board, so I can just <laughs> turn off his mic. Just like this. Watch. <laughs> He's on. So uh, if you do want to follow us at WWSRN underscore radio, you can watch the Friday Sling if you want. So Mark, <laughs> hit those high notes yeah, at WWSRN underscore radio on Twitter. We are in Periscope. Um, World Radio Sports Radio, Worldwide Sports Radio.com. Excuse that me. That really you can watch off, didn't it? or listen live. Tongue tied. You, you, oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm just, right. my mind's on a pretzel after just <laughs> hearing you crush that. Yeah, okay. Um, we are on YouTube. We are on Facebook, World Art Sports Radio Network on Facebook as well. I did sing and in a group, in. though. I did sing in a group. I was, uh, really? Yeah, I sang in a group of my uh, guys at my church. Um, what was the uh, group name? Uh, the Scoopers. Ooh, uh, it okay. It was called Sammy and the Scoopers because Sammy is my dog. Nice. Um, yeah, and uh, we used to say we sang a bunch of church songs. So and, not uh, not American Girl. Billy, no, uh, Billy Joel. No, we. Oh, we, nice. Yeah. Maybe next week Billy Joel. We can get the a little longest Billy Joel time. On next we did Friday. The, the longest time it was. Oh, so we did, uh, that's that's next week. That's next Friday. That's next week. Well, we we also have to do then praise hymns because that, that that's what a lot of what we did. And I, I can hit those. Good. Like right, uh, so down down to the river to pray. We can do that one. I know that uh, one. From, uh, yeah. That was from uh, that movie with uh, George Clooney, uh, where they were Ocean's in Ocean's Eleven. No, <laughs> where they were all convicts and they were running trying to find gold. Oh mother, where out thou? Oh mother, where out thou? Oh brother, oh brother, where out thou? You know that, right? What? He said, uh, criminals trying to find convicts trying to find gold. That's kind of like Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, it, you're yeah, true. Right. I got. Yeah, okay, but it wasn't. <laughs> oh brother, where out thou? That that's a good movie. Anyway, anyway. So the first edition of the Friday Sing Along, yeah. I would say, goes spectacular. <laughs> Probably as best we could have asked for. So, again, any song uh, requests, 1 877 We'll see what is in store for next Friday. Uh, but, Mark, we'll start with some college football here in the final yeah. hour. Three ranked matchups. We'll start, you know, we'll start with the biggest one in the SEC. Number nine, Auburn, traveling to number two, LSU. LSU, the most battle tested team so far in college football with that road win over Texas mm-hmm. and then beating Florida. Um, another top 10 team at home a few weeks ago. Do they have another ranked win, and they have a big game coming up in a few weeks against Alabama? Obviously, it has their attention, but Auburn's no joke. They are extremely physical on defense, A probably the best defensive line in the country, definitely the best defense that LSU will face so far. I think they're a little bit better than Florida's. Any concern, Mark, at all about at least the way LSU's been humming so far, and you look ahead to that 
Alabama game again in three weeks, but this is a legitimate test. Are you taking the Tigers at home, or I guess you're going to take the Tigers or the Tigers? Uh-huh. Either way. Yeah, I'm taking the Tigers. <laughs> uh, no, what are I, your thoughts on this one? I, I think, look, Auburn's always a tough matchup for anybody, especially coming in as an underdog, uh, especially if they're at, at home. Um, and I believe that's where, that's where the game is at. Is yep, at, at LSU. Okay. Yep, definitely. Oh, wait, is that LSU? All right, my bad. I, I thought it was at Auburn. Okay. Um, obviously, they give – look, I, I think one of the most intimidating places to play is down there uh, in, Death, in Death Valley. See, that's another thing. What, what's the real Death Valley? Is it Clemson or is it LSU? I would say LSU personally. How about yourself? I mean, you, you know, well, you Clemson, know the SEC now, now pretty Clemson's, well, would you say? Clemson's been to the national uh, – to the playoffs, what, five straight years? I, I think we could probably say Clemson's – Well, I mean, is that fair, though, recent yeah, success to determine no. who's, who really owns Death Valley? I mean, it should be, I guess, who was first and who's it well. Like, you say Death Valley right now. Which school do you think of? Well, I, I, I don't know. Because it's just like the USC-USC debate. Is well, it South Carolina? Or no, US? no. It, no, that is no debate. Okay. 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 I, I, I had, um, I had an ex-wife that was, that was from South Carolina, okay, and she, she told me that, too. There, there was no debate. USC has won national championships. USC has had Heisman Trophy winners. You know, the only uh, Heisman Trophy winner South Carolina had was George Rogers. And, you know, South Carolina has got to do more to, to, to get that. If you, if you say USC to somebody around here, they're thinking USC in California. If you yep. say USC and somebody in Columbia, South Carolina, yeah, you're thinking of South Carolina. But that's only applicable to down there. Most of the people in the country say USC you're thinking of, of the, the Trojans. And that's no slight to South Carolina. It's just the way it, it is because they're nationally more popular. Right, and no one really references USC right. on a national, right, whether you're talking about a pregame show or an actual game as right. South Carolina. It's Plus, always yeah. Southern California. Plus, there's one thing that I learned when I was at ESPN, and, and this is like uh, one of my first weeks there. I had to put together the, the, the codes for the scoreboards, okay? And I, I didn't know that there were, it was so strict of a, of a thing. I thought, okay... Whether you refer to South Carolina as SC or USC or, uh, you know, but their their four-digit code is SCAR. Interesting. Okay. So there's and, no confusion. Yeah, and, and there are other ones that you would think, well, it, 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 because of the way the scoreboards are and because of there's, there's so many UKs or KUs or whatever, um, that that's, there are specific ones that you would – you wouldn't think of ordinarily. I remember my first time doing it. I got I got my head ripped off by uh, by one of my what was it a boss at the time? It was one of my fellow researchers who who had been there for a long time, and he, and he was very anal with the way he would do things. And that's it. But that you have to, that's how you have to be. I mean, he was right. It was just that I didn't know that at the time. Um, but we'll, we'll get into it. You know, there are some good stories of me when I first started ESPN, like the one I told you last week, where, where I almost single-handedly brought down the entire network. But anyway. Uh, um, Let's get to, uh, to the back to LSU. All right. I, I think that growing up, Death Valley to me was always Clemson. Okay? They won the national championship in 1981, um, and that's what I thought of when I was younger. But as I got into my teenage years and into college, LSU was becoming better and better. The SEC became more of a dominant conference, the most dominant conference, and the thing I always loved about the Death Valley and LSU is that the numbers on the, the fives on the, on the yard mark. I, yep. I, I still love that. I mean, everybody thinks it's so stupid that I like that. But, I mean, don't you like that? You have the 5, 10, 15, 20. I, I, think, yeah, I think that's awesome. Cool. Right? I don't care what those people think. You do you. <laughs> I is guess that, I'm one of those Is that people. the definition? Like, uh, I, I saw that like on, on the Today Show that there's the, the new, you know, the toxic uh, – 
masculinity, the, the new definition of as a man is I know who I am. I'm okay with you are. Is that the kind of well, thing? Well, it's, it's because like everybody makes fun of everybody for any, every little thing. So now it's uh, it's not just with men, women too. They don't care. It's just they're gonna they're gonna be who they want to be. And but do you knows. know who do you know who you are? I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't even know how I got here. Anyway, okay, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, so I, I I think that playing down there and, and LSU is going to be. Psyched because now that two is injured, they've gotten a lot of attention as being the best team in the country. And I think people, most people who watch college football would say they're right now with two injured, they're the best team in the country. I still think Alabama, until you knock them off, is the best team in the country. Uh, obviously, Clemson has not lost in however long, okay? Um, so they, they have a claim to it as well, even though they play a, a soft schedule. Alabama's played a soft schedule so yep. far, too. But they're getting into uh, the tougher. Uh, areas of their schedule. They got to play LSU at home. They got to go to Auburn. That's not going to be easy. You know, look, look how many times they've lost that game in seasons. You know, I think of the, the missed field goal. That was the season they should have won a national championship as well. Yep. Okay. You know what's interesting, though, is that Alabama twice has not won their division and still won a national championship. And that's what people were saying this year. If, if Alabama or LSU loses a close game, will they get the nod to be in, in, in the college football playoff. And when you look at the thing, it's obviously they are, they are two of the four best teams, no matter how you cut it. Al- Alabama and LSU are two of the best teams in college football. So do they automatically deserve to be in that game no matter what happens? But that's not how it's going to work out. The loser of, this, of that game is not going to make it. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously, halfway through, there's still a lot to get to. But, I mean, like I said, Oklahoma, you have Clemson, you have Ohio State, you know, three mm-hmm. really good teams. We'll see, you know, if one of those slips up, that obviously opens the door for LSU with their resume. Again, if they were to lose um, at Alabama or vice versa, if Alabama's only loss was to LSU, their mm-hmm. resume is still pretty impressive. Especially, and, and yeah, stacking it up. Hurt. yeah. Right, exactly. That will obviously, you know, the uh, committee would take that into account. But, but as, in terms of this game, like I said, with number nine Auburn coming to town, great mm-hmm. test for LSU, another resume patter. And it's just, you know, with the way this offense has been this year, Joe Burrow has been unstoppable, yeah. rocketing up the charts of the Heisman Trophy race. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, to me, what's been so impressive is for how much offense they're scoring and, you know, how they're efficient they are, to do it against a Florida team at home to put up 42 points. Now, it's, it's one thing to do it at Texas. Their defense is very leaky. Um, but it was on the road, tough environment. But to do it at home against Florida's stout defense, we saw them just eat up uh, Auburn the week before. Very impressive, Not 42 Auburn. points. Yeah, Florida ate up Auburn the week before. Oh, yeah, yeah, at okay, home. right, right. And then next week they go to LSU, and LSU just, you know, runs all over them, passes all over them. Very impressive offensive performance. I don't know any, any defense right now that could slow down this LSU offense, including Alabama, including Clemson, Ohio, anyone, anyone with throw in there. The way LSU has been playing and humming an offense, the way Joe Burrow has been playing, their receivers are one of the best groups in the nation. It doesn't help that this year the receiver group is very deep at Clemson and at Alabama as well. But they are so skilled. They are so set with studs on the outside. And now they get another receiver coming back as well this week to help their depth even more. I don't okay. see how Auburn can stop Florida, uh, right. LSU. But how is, how is, how is LSU going to stop Auburn? Auburn's three times this year scored over 50 points. Against who? They, they scored over 50 against uh, Arkansas. They scored okay. over 50. Um, Mississippi State? Mm. And Arkansas? Who else did you say? Hold on. There was another team that scored over 50. And I know they did against a, a, a cream puff. But well, I, I guess that's the biggest concern with Against Auburn Mississippi is. State. 56 points against Mississippi State. 
You look at the two best teams at Auburn's Arkansas, played this year. They, Arkansas. They, they're averaging over 400 something yards a game. Uh, Auburn. So they they can score. And uh, the they can L- score against bad teams. Uh, well, they can score. Look at the two two games against Oregon and Florida. Their offense came to a grinding halt outside of that last drive by Bo Nix score touchdown. Bo Nix has five interceptions this year, all against mm-hmm. either Oregon or Florida. Mm-hmm. So when the defenses play well. And again, to be fair, both those have been either on neutral side or on the road. So mm-hmm. he hasn't had the benefit schedule-wise of at least having the benefit of a home crowd behind him to encourage him. And it's won, been and tough environments. Yeah, he won again uh, this game. So it's I, exactly. Now you're on the road at Death Valley. It's just well, I don't I, trust the offense to do enough. I don't. But we, we saw LSU couldn't stop anybody. They, no. they, they couldn't stop Florida. And Florida wasn't, isn't the most dynamic team off, uh, offensively. Fair. Okay. Now, Florida is still... They, they did well at South Carolina, too. So they were able to put up points on South Carolina when Georgia wasn't able to. All right? Um, so I, I think that Auburn and, and the quarterback, I think Dix is – we'll see what he's learned, okay? If it, obviously, that Florida game was a, an awakening for him. He made some big mistakes that could have uh, given him the win. And they're still in play for this division, Auburn, if they win oh, this game. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, it's all in front of them. Okay, so – if they, you know what now, what's going to happen if they win this game? Then everything will be turned on their head. So, I think they have the offensive of ability. They run the ball very well. Defensively, they have played well. I mean, the only team to score over twenty uh, over twenty points against them was, well, uh, over twenty three points. I guess you know twenty one six, sixteen, twenty, twenty three, twenty four, ten. So Auburn's defense is good enough to make plays to maybe slow LSU down. Right. I mean, they are fast. And you said their defensive line is just out of this world. Mm-hmm. The best defensive and line in the country, arguably. If they can put pressure on Burrow, that's going to make a huge difference. Right. And I, I, if there's a team that can beat LSU other than Alabama, it's going to be Auburn. The rivalries there, they play every year. They, uh, they upset. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've exchanged upsets the last couple of years. So we'll see. I, I, I think that. This is going to be a close game. I think that Auburn's going to be able to score on them like Florida scored on them, and it'll come down to if LSU can stop them. Right. Because I don't think LSU can stop anybody. Right. And that's a fair point. Like I said, that's, exa- that's exactly the key I was going to say. I trust LSU's offense against Auburn's great defense more than I trust LSU's defense to stop Auburn's offense. Um, but with that, I think LSU huh? is at home. What do you think? I'm saying, so it's strength against strength, right? right? Auburn's best unit is their defense. LSU's best unit is their offense. I trust LSU's offense to be better against Auburn's defense. I think their strength is better than Auburn's strength. So I think that LSU will have their way with Auburn's defense, score more points than Auburn, and I think their defense will play better against Auburn's offense than vice versa. So I, I know that's a confusing way to say it. I apologize for kind of a tongue twister there, but I do think LSU, in the end, push comes to shove, well, just is better on offense. Their defense will get just enough stops to win the game at home. That will obviously help them. And I think they go win this game and continue mm-hmm. just their impressive and, resume. And their offense has been, I mean, 500, over 540 yards a game. Burrow, 20, 29 touchdowns, three picks. Uh, over uh, almost 80%, completing 80% of his passes. And they, they've, they've run the ball well, too, 155 right. yards per game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but have they, how many really, outside of Florida, who they really did light up. But, again, it was at home. And, again, this is at home. So, um, I, I, I think they haven't been challenged yet. When you get punched in the face, then you'll, you'll, dis- you'll discover how, how good you are. And they haven't been punched in the face yet, so we'll see.
I mean, uh, in their defense, they played two top 11 teams. Texas on the road was number 11 when they played them. And Texas. Florida was, what, number Texas. nine, I believe, or number seven? Texas. 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 Uh, I, I don't get how you can – you can't fault their resume. Uh, no, Look, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying Texas, Texas isn't, a, isn't a team known for their, their, their dominant defense. But their offense can score. Yes. Uh, no, I, I, I know. I, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that, uh, that uh, no team has been able to stand up to LSU and force them – out of their game. I mean, Florida tried. I mean, is that a credit to LSU's offense? Like, Florida has a really good defense. They're I, fast. Their defensive line gets after you. They have good corners, and they beat them. I, they just I, put 42 on them. Yeah, I, I think Florida's got a good defense. I don't think it's a, it's a defense that necessarily is what's going to um, beat LSU. What defense are they going to play that's better? Well, we'll see. I, I think Auburn, generally, because their, their defensive line is – capable of putting pressure on a quarterback themselves, I think that's the best chance you have. Okay. Because I was going to say, Auburn, Alabama's defense has been leaky. You can't point oh, to Alabama Oh, no, no, no. Alabama's defense has been okay. Yeah, I, That's I, fair. I, I think Alabama, if they beat them, is going to outscore them. The only problem, I, I think, with LSU is that if Tua plays and Tua is Tua, they cannot stop them. But then you could say the same thing about LSU on offense with all the numbers and the receivers. Like, they have just as ma- just the amount of – basically the same amount of weapons that Alabama has now. Mm. They have th- two really good wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Now they're getting a third back from injury. They are loaded. They have Joe Burrow playing great mm-hmm. again. In the past, I would agree with you. I just think this year more than ever, LSU offensively has the weapons and, more importantly, the scheme. Mm-hmm. More importantly, the scheme than anything else to actually match Alabama point for point. Like you said, something they haven't done yeah. in a, a long time. Yeah, and you're gonna have to, you gotta, they're gonna have to match them point for point. I, I think they can, but I think that just even Alabama's defense not being as good as they normally are, they're still better than pretty much every defense they've played. And again, the, I, I would I, say, with the exception of Florida, I would agree. Yes, and Alabama is really good. Alabama's getting better defensively. They'll, yes, they'll, they'll be young, better by the time they play them. They'll be better absolutely to the point where they'll they'll be able to figure out what they're doing and make life more difficult for them than anybody else has because of Saban and because they got athletes up the wazoo. I mean, all these guys are, are young that are playing. They're playing a lot of freshmen. They're playing a lot of guys with not a lot of experience, taking them a little bit of time to learn this Alabama system that's always generally been dominant, not just good, but dominant. That They don't have the horses that they used to on a defensive line, but I still think they have enough athletes to be able to uh, – Make another team uncomfortable long enough to win it to win a game, but I do think that if Alabama doesn't have Tua at Tua's full strength, they won't be able to put the pressure on LSU that they normally would have. Because with Tua, you know that you're forcing LSU to score almost every time they have the ball. You're right. Alabama's punted what five times this year or something? It's ridiculous. I mean, yes, their schedule up to this point hasn't been great, but yes, their offense has been unstoppable so far. And again, you hope that he's two of that is, is healthy in three weeks in yeah. that play, but we'll see when that time comes. How about we go to the Big Ten? Mm-hmm. Wisconsin, number 13. This matchup looked so good a week ago, traveling on the road to number three, yeah. Ohio State. Wisconsin coming off of the last second loss to Illinois as a 30 point favorite. And what is this? Oh, oh my Just God. Put some cold water on this hype. But it's like, you know, Wisconsin team will show up. They bullied and punched. Talking about punching people in the mouth, they punched Michigan in the mouth about a month ago when they played at home. Absolutely ran all over them with Jonathan Taylor. Looked like a dominant team. And really, I think for the first time, put people thinking that Wisconsin could be a legitimate contender in the Big Ten and maybe a college football playoff contender. 
with the way they just their defense dominated Michigan and the way they ran the ball just right down their throats. They did they had their way with the Wolverines and just an embarrassment. But again, now you look at they uh, tripped up against Illinois last week. Ohio State, you can make the argument Ohio State's looked like the best team top to bottom in college football. Now again, you want to make the argument they haven't played anyone. That's fair. This is their first big test this year. But in terms of their offensive cohesion, their defense playing really well, and special teams, they've looked like the most complete team in college football um, through the first seven games. Any chance for an upset here, Mark? Are you, or are you uh, nervous well, with, with the way Wisconsin looked last week? They, they came back to earth a little bit. No, I think if Wisconsin's the team that they thought they were, um, and, and I think if you watch the beginning of that game, they were dominating them for most of the first half. They were, what, 21-3 to or something in, in that game? And then they just fell apart in the second half. So I, I think Wisconsin, if they can't come out and be totally p- pissed off and be like, you know what, we, we blew our chance last week, but you know what, we're going to ruin Ohio State's chance now. This is their only chance to do that. And they're, they're not going to make the playoff because they, they lost already. And I think you could have a lot of teams that are going to have resumes with no losses. So... Interesting. If they have well, one loss, I think their resume fits right up there with if they, anyone else. If they, they have, but then that means they win this game. Yeah, I so know. I, I, I think right, that, they have no margin for error. This is it. Right. Right now, I, I think that they're, uh, they're out. They're on the outside looking in, without a doubt. Okay, so they would have to do a lot to get back in there. And other teams would have to lose. But, but you know other teams are going to lose because you can't have two undefeated teams in the same conference. Right. But in college football, you know, you do get upsets here and there. Right. I mean... Um, so I, I, I think that Wisconsin is really embarrassed by the fact that they lost last week to a, an unranked team. Not just an unranked team, but Illinois has been, been bad for a while. Brutal. So losing by one point and where their defense could not make a stop. You had where they pitched back-to-back shutouts. They pitched four shutouts this four year. Four shutouts of the first okay. six games. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Michigan, they only scored 14. Northwestern only scored 15 against them. Uh, so their defense has been really good. And then they just... What the hell happened? I, mean, I know. It's just one of those things you cannot explain. Nope. Okay. And they, were, they got themselves up to six in the nation. They would have been, if they would have been, won that game last week and then win this week, they would have put themselves where they've really never been before in this, in this college football playoff system. Yeah, they would have been probably a top four team. Absolutely. Exactly. I mean, they, they would have had a, just as good a resume as... L- well, maybe not LSU, but just as good a resume right. as it Alabama. Been, it would have been better than resume. Alabama. It would have yep. been better than Clemson. Yep. You're right. 100% right. So, uh, better than Oklahoma. Yeah, but they, they can't get them back on track to where they, they still have to then win. Because if they win this game, then they will they have to beat Penn State. And then if they beat Penn State, then they'll represent the division, right? Or they Who's this, the for other? Wisconsin or Ohio yeah. State? Wait, Wisconsin's in the, in the other division, right? They're in the West, okay. yeah. Right. So they still play Minnesota, who's currently undefeated, number 17. Okay. And then they would play, again, either Ohio State again right. or most likely Penn State, one of the two right. which you think would be ranked, again, probably in the top 10 depending on what happens. But right. So they'd have a ch- again, they have a chance to boost their resume. But, again, that all starts with winning tomorrow right. and in they, Columbus. They, right, and they, they, got, they got Iowa next week at home. At Nebraska is a game that you know, maybe, would, I mean, if they lose to Illinois, God knows what could happen. Uh, then they get Purdue at home, and then they have uh, at Minnesota. So that's a team you say that they, that's, a, that's ahead of them in that division. So if they don't, but if they don't win this game, then there's no chance for, for anything. And it's a season that started off so dominant. Okay, I, I, I think that they, they are embarrassed. I think Ohio State is going to have their hands full. It's going to be a, a competitive game. If Ohio State's as good as everyone thinks they are, they'll be able to withstand that and, and win this game at home. 
I'm with you. I'm actually really excited for this one, and I totally echoing what you're saying. I think Wisconsin will come out pretty angry this week. I know the spread's pretty high. Not many people are giving them a chance. At least you think through the first three weeks, uh, through the first three quarters, excuse me, they will punch Ohio State in the mouth like they've never been punched before. They have a very physical defense. They can get pressure on the quarterback. Um, and I don't think they'll let many big plays happen, which is how Ohio State has really feasted and just put up video game like numbers behind Justin Fields at quarterback. So I'm excited to see that. I think they can, especially if they can establish the run, control the clock, which again, something Ohio State hasn't really faced yet this, yet this year, a team that can control the ball, play physical with them on defense. I think through the first three quarters, it'd be a tight game like that. If I say has to adjust now at the end of the day, being at home, having the athletes that they have, I do think Ohio State will pull away in the fourth quarter. But to your point, I think through the first three quarters, this would be a tight game, a physical game, which, again, is something that we haven't seen Ohio State yet do this year. They have not been tested so far. This would be a fun matchup. Wisconsin, very veteran team as well. And I like their style of play going into Columbus. I think, like you said, they'll be fired up after just that absolute letdown, no excuse of a loss to Illinois last week. And I think it'll be a good game. But ultimately, Ohio State pulls away in the fourth quarter. And quickly here before we get an upset special, number eight, Michigan at number nine. Oh, sorry, number eight, Notre Dame at number 19, Michigan. Can Michigan bounce back and get a home win under Jim Harbaugh or no? How many times has Michigan won big games under Harbaugh? I believe they have one top 10 victory. Yeah, so, so once, one out of 10, he's batting 10%. Yeah, and I, as much as I like Harbaugh, uh, and I would want him to coach uh, a, a pro team that I like, uh, I wouldn't, he hasn't, he hasn't been able to do that at, at Michigan. I mean, they, they even had, um, you know, uh, Amazon follow them for a year. I mean, every one of those teams that they've been followed, like, you know, Carolina or the Cardinals. Not good. I, I wouldn't have talked about the Sports Illustrated curse. I, I, wouldn't, I would not allow them anywhere near my <laughs> team. Mm -hmm. Sorry, guys. Uh, we're closed. Yeah. Maybe next year. Not, not this year. Uh, I'm with you. I do, Notre Dame getting healthier after the bye, which I think is huge. Michigan did play better in the second half against Penn State, which I guess is a nice sign. But, I mean, a little concerning when you're sort of taking a moral victory out of that game when you're Michigan, when, again, it's another loss on the, uh, on the schedule. The biggest thing is going to be Shea Patterson. Can he actually play well in a big game? He played well in the second half against Penn State. Can he play a full four quarters? I do like Notre Dame, their experienced team. Again, coming off the bye, getting a little bit healthier, I think that will help them. So I think they do go into uh, the big house and win. So we'll do this quick. We teased it before we went to break, Mark. It mm -hmm. happened two weeks in a row, mm -hmm. which is an unranked team beating a ranked team. You mm -hmm. had two weeks ago, South Carolina beating Georgia. Mm -hmm. Last week, Illinois beating Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Arkansas is at number one, Alabama. Boston no, College no at number four, Clemson. No number chance. five, Oklahoma at Kansas State. No chance. Number six, Penn State at Michigan State. Maybe. Washington State at number 11, Oregon. Cal at number, tw uh, number 12, Utah. Texas, number 15 at TCU. And then you have Maryland at Minnesota. Iowa at Northwestern. Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Any jump off there is an upset special. Well, I think maybe uh, maybe Penn State, maybe. I mean, I don't know how good Michigan State is, but uh, this could be a trip. Look, everyone in the Big Ten seems to have a trip game at, at some point uh, where you don't see a loss coming. Uh, Penn State, well, when did they play Michigan? Uh, I'm at Michigan. When did, they, when did they play Ohio State? Second last game of the year. Okay, so maybe this is where they have their – looking ahead moment. Right. That, that all, all that, I, I think that's clearly what, what happened to Wisconsin there, if they're looking at Ohio State the next week. I'm with you, actually. As a Penn State alum, it hurts me to say, but Michigan State, for whatever reason, has had their number the last two years. Penn State's been the better team, and they lost two years in a row. 
what scares you too, coming off the whiteout game, a lot of energy, two games in a row that have been big. Now you're going essentially a third game in a row on the road at Michigan State. It's a tough game. Michigan State's had their number. It could get ugly mm-hmm. um, with the defensive battle. Michigan State's defense is pretty good. Their offense has been just ugly to watch. But yeah, for whatever Penn State reason, has not been dominant. I mean, no. they, they, they've won games, but they're, they're not like Alabama or Ohio State. No, they've know? been hit or miss. Their offense is right. you know, essentially built on big plays, and if they can't get explosive plays, they really stagnant and just can't sustain drives. Um, so with that, I think, like I said, three games in a row now, tough games at Iowa, home against Michigan now at Michigan State. Their buys next week. You can kind of look ahead to that. This is trap game written all over it. And I'm, I think there was one upset special to pick, and I think I'm going to pick it. Michigan State at home coming off a bye after getting embarrassed by Wisconsin and Ohio State in back-to-back weeks before the bye. I think they come back. Mark D'Antoni, or D'Antonio, excuse me. I always get those two confused. Mike D'Antoni. Uh-huh. Mark D'Antonio, I think, has his team ready to play, and they do pull the upset and beat Penn State uh, this week. So we'll come back one more break. When we come back, NFL picks. Giants are playing. Jets are playing. Some intriguing matchups around the NFL as well. We'll finish with the show with some NFL Week 8 picks. Ryan Hickey, Mark Everkelly, Austin Tidebaum with you on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're listening to the Morning Boys on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Rewind. Very good. Oh, slow ride. Yeah, slow ride. Okay. It is the morning, boys. Ryan Hickey, Mark Everett, Kelly, Austin Tidebaum with you till 11 a.m. in the East. We'll hear every Tuesday and Friday, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. So thanks so much for watching us wherever you are, YouTube, Facebook, Periscope, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, or on Twitter at WWSRN underscore radio. That's where you can watch or listen to the live feed of the show every Tuesday and Friday again, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. Thanks so much for joining us wherever you are on this Friday, getting ready for the weekend. Mark, ton, a lot to get to today. I feel like we always never have enough time, but right. we'll, we'll finish with some NFL Week 8 picks. Right, when Guido and them get here, we'll just, we'll just tell them we need about show Show's over for about, them. Right? We need about another hour. So we'll start with the Jets. Obviously, we, we, a lot of passion started with Lou uh, calling about the Jets and your article about mm. the primetime struggles against the Patriots. Jets 1-5, traveling to Jacksonville, taking on the 2-3 and three Jags. What are you thinking? They're, historically, they do horrible when they're in Jacksonville. I, I, don't, I don't see any reason to believe that they can win down there. I mean, they, they've lost – Horribly, and I know when Pennington was there, they lost forty-one nothing. I mean, they, they, they've they've played really bad at times in Jacksonville. I, I I think that there's a lot of questions right now, as far as if Darno is going to be taken care of, if Gaze has any idea of how to adjust to a game plan, if they're on the same page, what what they're going to do with these guys. Uh, there's tr- thoughts, you know, talk of trading Robbie Anderson, talk of. Uh, some other offensive players being, if you're Le'Veon Bell, what, what, you've had zero impact on, on his team, not because you're not good, but, you know, but because he hasn't been no, anywhere near the player that he was with the Steelers. This is a guy who sat out a year because he was convinced that you know, he was worth it. And he he's, certainly doesn't have to prove himself to the Jets. Right. The Jets got to prove themselves to him. 
I know. It has been weird. I'm not sure. Again, with those four games in the backup quarterback, I'm not sure how much of impact that but has when they, they key on him. But you're right. When Sam Darnold's went back, he hasn't had much, didn't have much of an impact stat-wise against no, the Cowboys yeah, nope. or the Patriots. Nope. Really and that, since the Bills' first yeah, but game, even then he, was, he, was, he didn't Caught a much. touchdown at yeah. least. But you're, no, you're right. Yeah. It hasn't been what you think, which is, which is kind of disappointing. Um, I'm with you, right? I mean, the biggest thing is can they bounce back, especially Sam Darnold. I mean, mm-hmm. this, this year is not about wins and losses. It's just about progress. They'll and, show me something if they win this game. Especially if they come out and execute. Right, which, I mean, how many, seven yeah. games in or six games in, yeah. we've been talking about that. No lack signs. Of, of, yeah. Again, I, really three games with Sam Darnold under center, but you're right. After the only time that they've shown any semblance of execution was the first half against Dallas. Other than that, yeah. No, other than that, no. I mean, I told you the second half numbers are absolutely tragic. Yeah. No, it's been brutal. You're right. It's yeah. been, so we'll see if they can bounce back mentality-wise. Um I think I think the Jets offensively at least will, but it's can they slow down? I mean, Leonard Fournette right now is just on a speed blowing through defenses during the run game. Can the Jets run defense stop him? Mm-hmm. If not, too, that's another thing. The Jets defense will be on the field for you know another thirty-five minutes, not give the and, offense any chance. And they're concerned that uh, the injury to C.J. Mosley is more serious than yes. we thought. I mean, and I mean it's just typical that C.J. Mosley's a very good player. You know, and, it's, and you knew kind of something was up when. Uh, the other linebacker when um, Avery Williamson. Yes, see, I have brain farts every now and then, but yeah, so it, Avery uh, was great last year, and the two of them would have been excellent this year. And yeah, you, know, you th- go back to all the way to Anthony Barr turning down the Jets. How how much better of this defense if Anthony Barr was on the outside? I know. So anyway, I know. Um, are you predicting a winner or no? No, no. I I, 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 I think again, it, it, historically the Jets have been very bad at Jacksonville. So you know, I, I I'd have to. Off the top of my head, I can't remember the last time they won there. I know that they have won there, uh, but they certainly have have more games where they, they don't just lose; they get they get killed. I'm with you. I think the Jaguars will win, but like I said, I think the most important thing is just progress. Can Sam Darnold show he's gotten past that Monday night debacle, and at least you know show some like he is confident again and reading defenses the way he was against the Cowboys. Just get, try to get back to that first half. Um, that he played against Dallas. How about the Giants? Two and five, traveling to Detroit. Lions two, three, and one. Tough back-to-back losses for them to the Packers and to the Vikings in division. They played Detroit this this week. The Giants, yes. Oh, okay. They're I in Detroit they played this them week. next week. Okay. So I mean, and I know we haven't talked too much Giants so far, but you look at Daniel Jones since his debut against the Buccaneers. He has regressed. I mean, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. It? What do you want to blame or not? Four touchdowns, seven interceptions. Yeah. He has he's been getting sacked a lot, holding onto the ball a lot. Whether it's, you know, playing better teams now or the tape finally being out on Daniel Jones. But, again, since that debut where he burst on the seat in Tampa Bay, he has regressed, he has struggled, and the Giants' offense has looked stagnant at least these last three games. Yeah. Four games. um, Well, again, you look at the game against the Buccaneers where they were down, what, 18 points, and he led them back. That was where everyone said, who is this guy? And and he played so well that game, and he led them to their game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. So you have that that you've seen already. And then he comes out and he beats the Redskins the next week. But then they, they sh- he started to show struggles against the, uh, the Vikings, which in some part was due to the uh, uh, players not helping him out with drop passes and stuff like that. So I, I still think that there's a lot you don't know about him, but I think he grasped the offense, and I think he, you, you can see that he has a, a feel for the game out there. So it, he's still developing. Oh, and, right, uh, right. You, know, you can't, couldn't expect him to go out into, you know, a rookie to go out into have no bumps 
Right. So we'll, we'll see. I think the Lions are a, a team that right now you don't know where they are. I mean, historically, you know where they are, which is they're exactly where they should be. So, you know, where they have bad calls, they, you know, certain things go against them, and then it just seems their season falls apart. Yeah. I know. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, their defense looked good to begin the year. Then they started trading away players, gave up 42 points last week against the Vikings, and what, what do you traded make their of, safety. What do you make of, like, Matthew Stafford? Like, that guy's been a good quarterback, and he, he's never won a playoff game. He's, well, I, I would like to have him as a quarterback on my team. I mean, I, you know, wouldn't you? You're right. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, he's also been the product, right, like not having weapons around him. or And then when he, he does, the defense is not, you know, coming through and giving them. Right, he, he's one of those guys that just – Pats a stat book, absolutely makes it look really good. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, it hasn't for whatever reason, again, team team struggles um, total has not been able to just get a lot of the wins to get in the playoffs a lot. But, I mean, he's been just great this year, speaking of Stafford. 13 touchdowns, 101 quarterback rating throughout the year. I think he'll feast on this Giants defense, especially their secondary. Oof, they've been tough. And I think, I think especially led by Matt Patricia, I think the, the Lions defense will throw enough looks to confuse Jones back there and at least have, make him have another tough day. Uh, under center, so I do think the Lions at home kind of bounce back, get back to 500, at least try to keep their playoff hopes alive. They're trying for it, and we'll see because they did already again trade away their safety, kind of maybe starting to hint at a rebuild. Um, but at least for this week, I think they do get back on track uh, to beat the Giants. Three games here around the NFL. Mark, we'll go uh, quickly as we wrap up the show here. Panthers, a team that you know has been impressive since Kyle Allen has been in their center, four and two. They've won all four games that Kyle has started traveling on the road to San Fran against the 6-0 49ers who did revamp their receiving core uh, adding Emmanuel Sanders this year. Can the Kyle Allen magic continue in San Fran or is this where, at least for one week, the magic stops? Well, this will be a, this will be a real test for him, won't it? We'll you could say out. that for yeah. sure. We will find out. This is that, that Niner defense has been absolutely sick. Like you said, their pass defense has just been absolutely insane this year. And two, another thing to look at, the Panthers, at least defensively, have really shouldered against the run this year. That's one thing the 49ers, especially offensively, do really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and because, like you said, I think the defense just is too much to overwhelm the Panthers. Christian McCaffrey has been dynamic, but I just don't think he has enough in the tank to at least try to will the Panthers to victory. And I think because the strengths are running the ball and stopping the run, I think that will help the 49ers move to 7-0 and on the year match the Patriots at least, staying undefeated. Speaking of the Patriots, Browns are traveling to Foxborough this year. Browns have just been an absolute disappointment so far, 2-4 and four in the year. Taking on that Patriots dynasty, 7-0, and just been insane defensively. Any chance Baker Mayfield and the Browns can go into Foxborough and come out with a victory? No. Yeah, we'll keep it short. I'm with you. Mayfield, five touchdowns, 11 interceptions so far, just been no struggling. More said, right, Guido? No more needs to be said. Yeah. And what do the Patriots do well? Take the ball away. One touchdown pass allowed, 18 interceptions so far through mm-hmm. seven games. Their strength is defense, especially during the pass. And yeah. the Browns offensively, I guess you could say the strength is running the ball, although they have all the talent, or a ton of talent on the outside. It's just more of can they put it together finally. We saw okay. them put it together against the Ravens offensively. Right. Can they do it against the Patriots? I'm no. with you. I don't think they can either. Now, now here, uh, about my point, Jets are 1-4 historically at Jacksonville. Been outscored 131-49. to House of Horrors. Yeah, I mean, they, they've, they've, they've won four out of the last five games against them, but um, three of those four games were at home. And that was the only game they won at Jacksonville was in 2012. They won 17-10. to 10. They've had they were 31-12 a couple years ago in 2018, uh, last year in 2018, uh, 28-3 in 2002, 41-0 in 2006. As you, yeah, House of Horrors in Jacksonville could be another tough one. 
for Sam Darnold and the boys going down in Jacksonville this weekend. Um, so I'm with you. I think the Browns get blown out. Their rush defense has been just pitiful this year. I think the, the Patriots can take advantage of that. Yeah, I don't know about blowing out. I think that there might be uh, somewhat of a, of, a, of a game going into maybe the second half, but then there, there's, there's going to be a point where the Browns need to make a play, won't, and then Patriots will just run away with it. And uh, we'll wrap up mm-hmm. this. How about the Packers and the Chiefs? A great matchup, we thought, coming into the preseason. Even, I mean, coming into, you know, two weeks ago until, unfortunately, Patrick Holmes dislocates his kneecap. For, he hasn't been ruled out yet. Mm-hmm. He but, has been practicing yeah. on a limited basis his last two days. So I'll start with, would you play him no. if you're the Chiefs? No, they don't need to play him. I mean, if you look at that division, who's no one, no one is going to really be challenging them that much for that division. The Broncos aren't very good. The Raiders are inconsistent. Mm-hmm. The Chargers need a psychiatrist. So I, I don't think that Kansas City is going to push something in this game, even though it's against a team that they probably would have a much better chance. But you, you looked at the way um, Matt last name? Matt Moore. Matt Moore, the way he played against uh, la, la, last week. He played against the Broncos. He, yeah, he, he played, played well. bad. He threw a nice touchdown no, pass to Tyreek Hill. Perfect, perfect for, the, for what, what they're asking him to do. One more game, and then you bring back, like this guy, you don't mess around with this guy. You, know, you bring him back next week, huh? Yeah, well, Mahomes, need, look, you make sure he's healthy. You make sure that there's absolutely no uh, leftover remnants of that knee possibly getting worse. So, every, any, I mean, take two weeks off, whatever. The Kansas City's not going anywhere. They're not going to get home field advantage. They're still probably going to win a division, which means that they'll get – they're still in the in, in – the, in the, the works for a first round bye. You know, they've only lost two games, so right. Five and two, although both those losses back to back at home. At home, and they got home games coming up too, right. you know, on the schedule. Yep. So. Then they host the Vikings next week. I'm with you actually. I wouldn't I would go farther than that. I would not play Mahomes until the bye. They have four games till the bye. I wouldn't even bother. Mm-hmm. Like you said, the right. whether we home you, or you road, got, it doesn't, attention there. It doesn't right. matter because mm-hmm. he is the team. Yeah. He, if he's you're not right. healthy, this team is going nowhere. You're right. So there's no reason to rush him. You're, you're right. going to make the play. You're going to win the division. You'll get at least a home game, whether it's a wild right. card or you get the bye. Right. That doesn't matter. You have to make sure this guy is fully healthy. I agree. Especially, too, nursing the ankle injury as well. You don't play in the next four games. I don't care. I they agree. could lose all four. It doesn't matter because you know he's going to be, when he comes back fully healthy, he will lead this team to victory in the end. And, again, get them in the playoffs. Yeah. And then from there, you know, no, no one's going to want to play the Chiefs. Yeah, plus they won't lose all four. I, I, I think they're, they're right. It does uh, soften Moore, up after yeah, they Matt, play. Matt good enough. The Vikings next week. I think the Dolphins are on the schedule, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in one of those two games. But you're right. Matt Moore's at least enough of a, a veteran quarterback yeah. too. But he's not so, Luke Falk. Or, yeah. No, yes, he <laughs> he is competent. But I do think the Packers, because of that, go into uh, go into Arrowhead, get the win because the Chiefs again. They have tons of holes without Patrick Mahomes. Their rush defense has been just horrendous, and I just don't trust Matt Moore to make enough plays offensively to get the job done. So I do think the Chiefs lose three in a row. But that will do it for the Morning Boys for this Friday edition. Thanks so much for tuning in uh, wherever you were. We're here every Tuesday and Friday, 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. White Room. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. For Ryan Hickey, Mark Everkelly, Austin Tidemont, thanks so much for listening. The Haystack has come next. Enjoy the weekend of games. We will talk to you on Tuesday. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.